Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. The first Tuesday of the month of April is upon us. Wise guys are back. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. We've got a loaded show tonight. Uh, We'd say happy spring, but there's like six inches of snow out in the yard. I wore my spring shirt. Yeah. Just because in my mind, I want it to be spring. Like, I can't, I can't deal with this anymore. Yeah, and I wore my master's pullover just that's because a, a big it's warm, friendly golf with that's flowers right. and all those things. Uh, and nice music, none of which we have here. Yeah, was I at the master's? It's still I was winters. at the master's last year this week. I think you were it? there, yeah. Dang, why am I not there this year? Well, because you're here. Because I'm here in the snow. <laughs> here in the so. snow. But as it, no matter wherever you're watching, it's springtime. We hope you're having a nice, warm day, or at least that you're inside. Um we were at uh, the spring big deal on BYU TV Friday. We had the scrimmage and the alumni game. That was fun. We'll talk about that today. Yeah. Kind of like, hey, why didn't we see a whole lot from the scrimmage? We'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, break, we'll break down the scrimmage. We'll, we'll talk about the alumni game. Um, another last-minute thriller, untimely injury oh. to, to one of our favorite guests on this show and BYU's winning his quarterback in program history, Max Hall. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll roll out the scenario of how that yeah, went down. And, and just, Poor guy. Hey, we'll give you a little tease. It wasn't in the action. He didn't <laughs> get hurt in playing. But it so. seems about right as to how it happened. Yeah. Even though we're not happy that it did happen. Um, uh, it's just I feel so bad. It's a, it's a terrible injury. Uh, today, Greg Rubel is going to join us, radio voice of the Cougars for football and basketball and baseball and soccer. And Hans Olsen, the new... Uh, commentator, analyst for BYU Radio is going to join us as well. So it's announcer night. That's Between right. the four of us, we got it all covered. Well, and there, a lot of history. Um, if you get the four of us together, man, we can we can really reminisce yeah. over because there's a lot of history between the four of us with, with BYU and all of the sports. So, yeah, pretty fun. Also, uh, key dates between now and the season opener on September 2nd to mark on your calendar for BYU football. Um Spring ball's not over yet, even no. though the spring game was last week. So we'll talk about the schedule for the rest of spring and then kind of some landmark dates to to put on your calendar. You check off, we're just one one check closer to kicking it off and opening the first season in the Big 12. As you're watching our show or listening to the podcast, we encourage you to follow us on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch. It's all free. Uh, follow us there. You can sign up for our newsletter, get highlight clips from each show sent to you. That's at YSGuys.com. And we've got interviews there. Everyone that we've done is at YSGuys.com. Danny Ainge, Marie Osmond, Jimmer Fredette, Ty Detmer, Kyle Van Noy, Max Hall. Last week we had Elaine Bradley of the Neon Trees. It's awesome. It's all waiting for you at YSGuys.com. I was there the other day flipping through, and we haven't even been on the air yet for a year. We've talked to a lot of people. Yeah, it's been really fun. And and every time guests come on, we learn something almost almost universally um, with this format. They'll they'll talk to us about something that they've never told anybody before. Yeah, that's and, cool. And, and something that we've never heard before. So there's there's some nuggets in 
And every one of those um, those interactions, every one of those interviews that we've had has been really fun. Through the month of April, I want to remind you that you can get 50% off these bobbleheads at the BYU store when you go online to order them and use the um, the promo code WISEGUYS, YSGUYS50. That gets you 50% off. They're, they're only $19.99, so these are 10 buck holiday gifts. You got Cosmo playing football, volleyball. You have an Elvis Cosmo over there, Blaine. You got what? Yeah, basketball and volleyball and, and baseball I've got right here. So Yeah, it looks well, like here, he's... I'm going to raise him. This is the baseball, baseball. guy. He's, and then you got one of he's going to throw and down I've a got, hammer dunk. And this is the soccer guy. There's the soccer guy. And then and then I've got, I've got basketball Cosmo. So the details are all in the in the the link that's in the chat on the podcast. It's a link that's in the description. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, the link is in the video description. If you're on a desktop computer, you just take out your phone, scan the QR code, and it'll take you right there. Uh, so that's good through April. Chance to get uh, Cosmo at ten bucks, and that's kind of cool. Yep, we appreciate the BYU store and um, and having them be a part of of the Wise Guys. Um, Let's start with the spring scrimmage. We've already had a couple of chat, uh, comments on the live stream. It wasn't all that exciting, the uh, two hours that we had. Um, we knew it wasn't going to be because it was going to be terribly watered down. Kalani doesn't like doing them, but, um, but Jay Hill kind of talked him into it, which was great, but I don't think we saw one deep pass from Keaton Slovis outside of the first pass of the scrimmage. Yeah, they, they ran about three plays for Keaton that they ran over and over. And then defensively, they they literally had two calls. They played man and three deep zone. Yeah. And and obviously, there's going to be a lot more than that. You and I talked to Keaton. Well, actually, were you out there with me when I ran into Keaton late after? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, we, and we talked to Keaton. That's right. We were together when we talked to Keaton afterwards for a while. And he says, yeah, we didn't, we didn't do much, but we knew that that's what we were going to do. It was just great to get out here in the stadium and connect with the fans and he stayed until everybody was gone yeah. to connect with BYU fans. He's signing autographs. You know, he's seen the environment. He played in that environment as as a USC Trojan when BYU took them down in a big upset. Um, so he, he seems really uh, impressed with the BYU fan base. And he loved the opportunity to connect with that fan base and to connect with, with some of the alumni, some of the great players that have come, uh, come before, uh, along with a bunch of BYU's current NFL guys. And so... Really, that's what the whole thing was about. That's why they did it. It wasn't to showcase, hey, guess what, everybody? Here's what we got. Everybody that we're playing next year, here's the new talent. Here's all of the new schemes we're running, and here's a bunch of new plays for you guys to scout, and here's a bunch of new stuff we're doing on defense. I think they'd rather leave that a surprise. But we were kind of hoping they'd see a couple bombs. You yeah, know, at, just le- kinda... at least a couple of deep balls. But, uh, yeah, it, hey, for what it, what, what it was supposed to be, for what Kalani wanted it to be, and that was kind of just like a, a connect with the alumni, connect with the fan base, bring the fans down on the field type of an affair, connect the past to the present with players. I, th- I thought it was big time mission accomplished in, in that way. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun to it was fun to be involved with everybody. Um, and I once the uh, ones got off the field, I thought it got pretty interesting because everyone else could hit and tackle each right. other. And so I thought we did get a chance to see a little bit in the battle for the number two quarterback with um, with Redslaff and and Finnegan. and and so. I enjoyed watching those go guys go back and forth. There were some, there were some big hits out there yeah. as well um, from, from a defensive perspective with some of the guys that are filling in that depth chart. And so, yeah, they of course, they didn't let the ones versus ones hit each other. And there were several ones that we know are going to be ones that have 
been very limited, just out Isaac running. Isaac Rex. Right, Isaac Rex. Ben Bywater. Cody Max Epps Tooley, was in uniform, but he Cody wasn't going to be in there. Like, these guys, a lot of these guys came out and ran through some drills, but really haven't been that involved in, in spring practice all along. Um, they had more a more lively scrimmage on Monday of last week. That was the la- last real, hey, we're tackling everybody to the ground. It's live. We're running everything. Let's see what we've got. Let's establish some positions here, ones and twos, going into the summer workout. That all happened last Monday without the view of everyone so, yeah. so they could kind of let loose a little bit more. And, and they let me come to that because they knew we were preparing for Friday's, right. um, Friday's, uh, event. That was a, a BYU event. They're like, listen, we know that you need to typically don't open those, but we know that you, so you need to be here cause you need to know what's going on to be able to do this thing on Friday. And so I, I was really impressed. Ke- Keaton Slovis looked really good in that scrimmage as, as did Ratzlaff and, and, uh, um, Finnegan. I, I think BYU is deeper at quarterback this year than they were last year. I was impressed late in the scrimmage back on this last Friday uh, when Ryder Burton came in. He's the freshman out of Springville. Graduated early so we could get into a winter semester and practice with the guys. He has a nice release. He threw some good balls, and that was his first time out at Lavelle Edwards Stadium uh, with a BYU football helmet on, and I was impressed by him. Yeah, he. if you were – the one thing you did get to see is – Hey, can these guys spin it? Can they throw yeah. it? And you saw all three of these guys, or all four of these guys, with the ability to throw the football. But Ryder Burton, for a 18-year-old freshman, wow, he has tremendous velocity on the ball. You can see he has good feet. His mechanics are very, very good. And, and people wondered he didn't come in with eye-popping numbers, but he played in an offense down Springville where they really didn't utilize the passing game that much, right? They right. Um, and didn't ask him to run a pro-style type offense. But he had been at camp with with BYU on multiple occasions, and they had a chance to watch him run their stuff, and that's all they needed. They they knew that he could compete. So he came in early. He's learning this offense. Um, He's got a lot to learn because he didn't play in this type of offense in high school. But physically, he's really, really gifted. And his mentality is he's he's kind of a workhorse, and he's a study worm. Like, he likes to be in watching film, and he's learning at a rapid pace. Um... And I think he's going to be a really, really good player. And his mentality in terms of his confidence reminds me, it it takes me back to Max Hall. Yeah, it was just fun to watch him kind of run around and go, okay, what's this this kid got uh, in his his debut really in front of of all of us and the cameras and things like that. Now, Kyle Van Noy worked as a sideline reporter for us. So fun. And and one thing he pointed out uh, was that the defense knew all the plays the offense was doing. So as as a fan, as you're watching, you're going, Man, what is why, why, why aren't they just driving down the field and doing all these? Why aren't these plays all working? Because the the defense knew the checkdowns, they knew everything, and uh, the best defensive play I thought we saw, Jacob Robinson picked off Slovis, and and we know that that BYU's got some returners with some some vibrant uh, uh, personalities in that secondary that are going to be fun. He's one of them. Yeah, and he, so th- this these corners, what they're looking for now is depth. Because the the starters during spring ball were Jacob Robinson and Eddie Heckard. Yeah. Now remember, Eddie transfers down from Weber. His decision was, do I go right to the NFL right now from Weber? Yeah. Um, possibly be a late rounder or a, a free agent signee, or do I come down play for Jay Hill and the guys down here that I trust, be in a P five program, play against better talent, and really showcase my skills so that I can be a higher draft pick. So that gives you an idea of the background of, of Eddie. 
And he has not disappointed at all. He is a big-time player. He is very good. He just is a football player. And and then Jacob on the other side, you know, our, our good friend Brian Logan that, that we work with on, on, on uh, game day and a bunch of the shows that we have, he's, he's helped out on After Further Review. He's been telling us since day one that Jacob Robinson has a chance to be great and be an NFL guy because of his, he goes, his technique, his feet, his hips, his ball skills to be able to track the ball when the ball's in the air. He goes like, this is the best guy they have. And that's been really showing up. Showed up last season. He's not afraid to come up and hit people. Then get about 10 pounds on him. He becomes a bonafide NFL guy. And now you got two NFL corners. I feel like BYU's going into the next fall with as good of corners as anybody has in that league. But what they need is some depth. Yeah. Is it, is it more Bamba that steps up and becomes that kind of third rotating guy? Is it, you know, there's multiple guys. There's a couple of freshmen from last year. So they're looking for the three and four, but the one and two are really good. And, and I think I think that Micah has really established himself, Harper, as a bona fide, big time, strong safety that can play at the Big Twelve level. Um, so they're, they're in pretty good shape in the secondary. The key going into the Big Twelve is um, got to have your best eleven out there. Kalani likes to say that all the time, uh, and have them good enough to compete. But at the end, the key is to still have a team that's Big 12 in November and not have everybody hurt. And that's where the depth comes in. And that's, that's what it might take a little bit. Um, but I think they're going in deeper than, than what most thought. And uh, when the transfer portal opens up here uh, in a couple of weeks, they're going to get a little deeper. Yeah, I, th- I think they'll pick up a few more uh, bodies that can really play on the defensive side. Maybe a couple of D linemen. that will be a surprise to people. Um, and there's a couple of freshmen that are coming in. Um, the linebacker out of uh, was it Timview, I think. That's was the the big four star. That, Sarah. Yeah, that that may be able to play right away. That's that good, right? Um, yeah, we're gonna ask Hands. We'll ask Hands about what he thinks too on yeah on what they need to shop for in the. Well, portal. they're gonna get Bywater back, and they're gonna get Tuli back. And remember, um, the league that BYU is going to play in runs a ton of spread throw game, so BYU is gonna play a lot of four two five stuff. You'll see a lot of nickel on the field for BYU because that's how you have to defend that kind of stuff. So I feel like they've got enough linebackers um, stashed away, especially with when you get Max back and, and you get Ben back. Yeah. And then the t- two Kafusis, the cousins, Ace and, and Micah Kafusi, had a tremendous spring. A couple of freshmen that looked really, really good. You get Gagne back. Um, it, it's uh, uh, Isaiah um, Glasker back. Like, I think they're in good shape at linebacker uh, coming back this next year. We just talked a little bit about the secondary. Malik Moore now going to be back in the secondary at free. That started the whole previous year before before hand injury kept him out all of this last season. So, yeah, and they get a couple more pieces here in the transfer portal. When that opens back up again on the D-line, D-line actually looked pretty good during spring ball. This could be a defense that makes a statement and takes a big step forward as they go into the Big 12. And then I like I like the quarterback situation and the running back situation, and I think they're going to be really good on offense as well. Some key dates to keep in mind before we bring in uh, Hans Olsen tonight. April 14th is the final practice. April 15th through the 30th, the transfer portal opens for football. Now, if you Google that, you get two answers. Uh, some reports say May 15th, 
to May 30th. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just text Brett Pine over at BYU. I said, which one is it? He says, it's April 15th to the 30th. So right. that's the day after the last practice shopping season will begin. Yeah, so the holiday the season. Back open again, right? <laughs> April 27th through the 29th is the NFL draft. On July 1, BYU officially joins the Big 12. Later that night is the Stadium of Fire, the last big event in the stadium with before Journey, there's football with right? Journey. AFR kicks off its 10th season on BYU TV July 25th, then, of course, September 2nd, and, and Sam Houston. One thing before we get to hands about um, this transfer portal thing, people are going, well, why would there be anybody left now that BYU would want? And there, there's a number of players that um, either needed to finish up a degree this semester and didn't want to alienate anybody around them. So they're like, hey, I'm just going to stay here till I finish this semester. Um, or to, for eligibility, not just necessarily to graduate and be a grad transfer, for eligibility reasons needed to stay. Um, so there will be some quality players that will come into that transfer portal during that April 15th through the 30th uh, time frame that, that BYU may be able to land. I saw a tweet from Dick Vitale the other night. He said there's over 1,000 kids in the basketball portal. Right yeah, ba- basketball is just and nuts. that grows that, every day we can have a whole other show <laughs> on on that our first guest tonight is the new analyst for byu football broadcast on byu radio joining greg rubel for the cougars first season in the big 12 he played defensive tackle at byu between 1996 and 2000 proudly wore the bib uniform our pleasure to welcome local radio host and the newest member of the BYU broadcasting family Hans Olsen to the wise guys we're looking at number 67 from the Colts and now here is the man who wore number 67 welcome to the show and look at those dicks guys hey wait wait first of all I want to know if what Dave just said is even true you proudly wore those bibs you did you like those uh I didn't mind the bibs oh wow (laughs) <laughs> I didn't mind the bibs. I, I, I thought it was pretty original. Um, I thought that they were, at the time, I thought they were pretty trendy. Uh, they did kind of emphasize the gut and made you look kind of chubby a little bit too much. But at the time, I didn't mind them too much. For a guy, I, they, I think they get more hate than they deserve. <laughs> For a guy who likes barbecue, it seems appropriate there would be a bib. that would just You'd just be with a bib. You can play, and then you can go eat. Dang right, man. Barbecue. <laughs> love anything that you put mustard on. Anything you can dip ketchup. Dip in ketchup. Love it all. It seems appropriate. You guys are, it you seems guys are a- looking good. What, are you in the same room? How does this work? Yeah, we're yeah, right, we're no, right apart is from like, each this other. Is like we can, yeah. This is a studio built especially for the show. It's in a secret location. The only <laughs> like We could tell you at some point. Greg knows because he's here already. Yeah, because Greg's here. But, but we only give it out to certain people. For safety reasons. Because we don't want trouble, Hans. Yeah. We don't want any trouble. Yeah. And it's built specifically for the oh, show. It's pretty fun. And we, I can and, see the crowd storming that place. And, and in, the sure. back, in the back, Hans, you see all of the uh, the future Big 12 represented. And so, you know, we, we wanted to get this show going. So we're not quite a year into it. Um, the year leading into the Big 12 to really make it a, a show all about BYU and all about the Big 12. And so studio built specifically for this. Great, man. It seems, it seems appropriate that you're on with us uh, tonight because Blaine and I called your first touchdown a fumble recovery against San Diego State. You rumbled 24 yards to the end zone in a 30-7 to win. What do you remember from that moment? Oh, man, that was a magical game, man. I had had, I think, two sacks leading up to that, that touchdown. And 
my entire family came. Everybody was there. I've got a couple sisters in Southern California, so they brought their families. And then my mom and dad had come, and my brother and I had an aunt and uncle there. It was we were just packed, and it was one of those games. Blaine, I'm sure you remember some that everything comes together, and it mm-hmm. just feels like nobody can stop you. The angles are right, and your energy is up, and the game plan fit what you do. And, and yeah, I, Rob Morris hit the quarterback and the ball squirted loose and I was able to scoop the thing and run in for it. The, the cool thing is some of the fallout on some of these things, people don't see some of these things that the NCAA does for these big moments like that. I actually got player of the week, NCAA player of the week, and the NCAA sent $3,000 to my high school to give as a scholarship wow. in my name. And it's it's cool little things like that that were kind of a fallout of that. But that was a, that was a fun game. That's, that, that's a pretty cool fallout. You know, we we've had a number of your teammates uh, on the show. It's about time we got you on the show, um, and, and we're excited about this. But we've been able to ask him this, and, and I wanted to ask you this because we've gotten a little bit different feel from everybody. Um, you know, you were also in the locker room prior to that Lavelle Edwards final home game against New Mexico when President Hinckley dropped in to address the team. First of all, how cool is that? And what, what do you remember about that moment? I remember Lavelle about five minutes before President Hinckley came in, grabbed me by the arm and said, don't embarrass me. <laughs> and Because <laughs> he kind of had me coined as the guy that would probably embarrass him <laughs> or embarrass the team. And... I was just kind of locked with fear when he came in because that was the president that I really grew up with and I had a tremendous amount of respect for. And I remember in that moment just wanting to represent Lavelle well. That's really what I remember thinking. I want everything of this day to go perfectly for Lavelle because I knew that the stadium was going to be named after him. I knew that it was kind of his day, his moment, and it was my senior day as well, but you kind of just put it in the back of, of your mind and you think, all right, well, y'all have my senior moment with my parents. That's all that really matters. And the emphasis was on Lavelle. I just wanted to make it a beautiful send off for him because I loved him. You know, guys, when he recruited me out of Weezer, Idaho, um, I had a, a lot of different offers and I had actually committed to Tom Osborne at Nebraska. They won back-to-back national championships. And Tom Osborne flew into Weezer, Idaho in a little Learjet and came and saw me during the onion harvest and knocked on my door at 7.30 in the morning before I went into wrestling practice and said, man, this place stinks like onions. And, and I said, yeah, <laughs> it does. And he came in and, and um, I committed to him. I verbally committed to him that morning. And I remember thinking, I don't know if Tom Osborne's going to be there. And I remember I got an opportunity to talk to Lavelle about two weeks after I verbally committed. And I asked Lavelle, I said, Lavelle, will you be there all five of my eligible years? Will you be there? And he said, I absolutely will. And he committed to it. And I remember thinking how incredible it was that I was leaving the same year he was leaving and he held up to that commitment. I thought that was Pretty incredible. Tom Osborne would have been there for three years of my eligibility. And the other four coaches that I was interested in maybe playing for, they all left as well. So Lavelle was the only one that actually stayed. So I got to spend that whole time with him. That was in the back of my mind during that day, too, thinking, 
how cool is this that this guy held up his end of the bargain and kept his promises to me. So a, a lot went into that day. So when, when President Hinckley looked at you and said, hands, don't muff it, uh, and he said that to everybody, you, you know, there's no way you could go. Now, New Mexico didn't take a knee, but there's no way you guys could lose that game. I, I think I bumped our quarterback and I said, he's talking to you. He's not, he's, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember who our quarterback was. I think it was Brandon Dolman at yeah, the time. Yeah. And, and uh, because we went through like six quarterbacks that year. That was a, that yeah, was a really no, was rough Bra- season. We, we, we talked to Brandon about, it's funny that, that you say that Lavelle grabbed you and said, Hey, don't embarrass me. <laughs> and, and Hans is from, is from Idaho, right? Yeah. He's from Weezer. And we, we're number one in the country. We had one game left, but we got invited as a team to go up and have uh, dinner with the first presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles up in the what, the, the Joseph Smith Building. Um, I'm not sure what it was called back then. Oh, it was a Hotel Utah back yeah. then, right? And Lavelle gathers the whole team around, and he's like, "Guys, we're going up. I don't want anybody to embarrass me. And guys, this is Sunday best dress." And he looks over and he goes, "Walt Manuel and all you Idaho guys." That means no bib overalls. <laughs> That's what Lavelle said. Just, he, had the, he, he always had, had an Idaho joke. joke. He always had an Idaho joke up his sleeve all the time. So, hey, the next, was he not the best, Blake? He was the people that weren't close to him and didn't get the exposure that we all did don't understand his sense of He was the funniest person. His just kind of dry sense of humor. He would just kill you. With, with the little dry, sly jokes, and he, he always had them, and he always had the right quip for the right moment, and and not not enough people got to see that side of Lavelle. I think he had some great ones out in the media, but he was constantly doing that with us, and that was really, really fun. Such a beautiful human being. Just from every angle, a beautiful human being, and could make you feel warm and loved and could make you laugh your butt off, could also get your butt off a chair and get you working. And I am beyond lucky to have the times that I had with him, whether it was on air doing the, the legend show with him and Ron McBride for mm-hmm. five years or, or he, uh, I actually ended up helping him clean out his father-in-law's house after his father-in-law had passed away. And I had an opportunity to spend an entire weekend with him in a working capacity just to learn more about him and he loved to tell jokes and he was a terrible driver uh, the worst driver i've ever met in my life <laughs> that, is, I mean, that is all i can say to that is didn't, truth. didn't patty do most of the driving he, she did a lot of the driving yeah hans i was going to ask you this the, the whole spring game alumni thing everything this weekend um when i when patty um you know, had her role at the beginning and she was out there with everybody and walked out there with everybody. I was having a hard time keeping my composure and, and doing the broadcast to see Patty out there. Cause it was so touching and, and so appropriate to have her out there in his stadium, um, participating in that and tying the past to the present. What, what were your thoughts on having Patty there this last this last week? I think the more Patty, the better, the more you can incorporate her, the better. And uh, Blaine, I just, uh, about three weeks ago, went to Winona Ramage's funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many people out there know Tom Ramage, but it's hard to talk about Lavelle without talking about Tom Ramage. Right. Tom was a defensive line coach. He was my defensive line coach. And his wife was 
so close to me and so close to my wife. And, and so my wife and I went to Winona's funeral. And while we were there, we got in a lot of diff- different discussions um, with all kinds of people. Tom Homo was out there uh, celebrating her life. And um, Chris Hoke, one of my old teammates, was with the Steelers. He came back from Pittsburgh, and, and he and I were there together. And the conversations of Winona and Patty and those amazing women that were so um, integral in our growth as men that helped us as we brought wives and started to build families that helped us manage those relationships and set expectations. And she, she was so important. And Blaine, I don't know if you got married while you were playing at BYU, but um, Patty was so incredible. She held different cooking classes with the wives. And so Amanda would go to the cooking classes and hang out with her and, she would tell these girls what to expect from us as players and just kind of help their relationship. So when I see Patty, I just see mom. I see a a woman that was so influential in, in my growth for the most, the most critical five years of my life. So to see her on that field, anytime BYU honors her, anytime she gets any opportunity to speak, I, I just think people need to listen and we need to all just love and respect everything that she gives us. And and don't take her for granted yeah. right now. A- amen. Because, amen to that. Because sure. Winona went so fast. She didn't. In reality, she did. But it just feels like it went yeah. so fast. New football analyst on BYU Radio, Hans Olsen on the Wise Guys tonight, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. Before we bring in Greg Rubel, uh, your last game in the regular season, you beat Utah up there in a dramatic come from behind. The, there were a group of guys that carried Lavelle off the field. Were you in that pile, or where were you after you took down the Utes that night? I'm sure I was trying to convince the guys to carry me off the field, <laughs> would be my guess. <laughs> trying to pull Lavelle off the, the top of the pile and see if I could climb up there would be my guess. No, I, I was under there. I was one of the guys that was hoisting him and, and walking away with him. But that was an insane night because we had put our hearts into it. I know I played a really good game in that game, too. I had a, a sack and a half going into that that final defensive series where after we scored, Utah had an opportunity to get back down the field. They didn't have a ton of time, but our defense, we all had to be laser-focused and get out there and do it. And so I felt really good about the game, but you know that was that was it. That was the sending off point. Uh, we we knew that we weren't going to be going to a bowl game. I believe it was before that game that we were told, yeah, win or lose, we wouldn't be going to bowl game. Mm. Um, so we kind of knew as a senior class that that was it. So Kalani, I mean, I'm sure Kalani Sataki and I were messing around doing something and <laughs> September Nali was probably singing at his ukulele. I don't know. It's all the norms, man. It was just a magical night. That was one of the, that's still one of the most memorable, one of the greatest games I've ever played. in. Well, it ended right. I, I imagine as you're watching Doman drive the team down the field in those last few seconds, there had to be some high anxiety. Well, first of all, Staley didn't fumble. Yeah, there you go. Agreed? Yeah, I agree yeah, with that. I agree. Blaine agrees. Greg agrees. Ron McBride <laughs> does not agree, I don't think. but Well, I've been doing a show with Ron McBride for the last eight years. <laughs> and 
let me tell you, he doesn't agree. No. <laughs> of course no. not. He of 100% course not. thinks that was a fumble. But that wasn't a fumble. Uh, secondly, I, I think that Jonathan Pittman doesn't get the BYU recognition he deserves because in those two catches, yeah, Mo- he may have been the most memorable receiver oh, yeah. in BYU-Utah history. Yeah, BYU-Utah rivalry game history. Yeah, two crazy catches. People sometimes forget it's not just the one. Two catches in that game These are ridiculous, right? Yeah, it was. It was two insane catches. And then Brandon Doman with the option look off the right side. Spectacular. Um, but, yeah, I – okay, I don't know if you've heard the story, but I was on the sideline on that offensive drive, and I was crying, and I was going around to all my senior teammates, hugging them, telling them that it's been a real blessing playing with them for the last five years. <laughs> and I can't believe we lost our senior year against these youths and – we're all just going back and one of my teammates Satemanali heard me and came over and grabbed me by the face mask and started yelling in my face I, you know better than that you know that this game isn't over and he's he's pointing up in my face mask and spitting across my face and you better get ready we're gonna have one more defensive stand this is it we are gonna score and I'm like Satema it's <laughs> over man it's over the sooner you understand that the quicker you can get over this terrible loss and and of course, it happened, and uh, we all man, it was just a, an incredible night. Let's have Greg hop in and join us. Uh, we got some more football questions for you. We got a lot of questions for Greg, so he can join us as we as we grill you a little bit, and then we'll let you go, and we'll we'll turn uh, we'll turn the questions on him. But hands very good, very good wheels on these chairs. Like Greg, it's good Greg to have you in studio. And he almost Rolled ended right up, off the set. almost ended up in the other room. We like to stay uh, mobile in here, yes. just in case. Uh, we can what, dodge should, some darts. Straight up my tie for the boss. Like I don't know. Now you look. Uh, you look good. He's oh, got no. a. He's got oh, a okay. sweatshirt on. You, we're you we're already, all good. You're already zipped all the way up. Notice that <laughs> I wore my white snow my snow shirt tonight. Just like just like. Uh, um, Kevin, you, you bet. Just like Kevin. Just does like Kevin. Yeah, the snow yeah. coat. You got the snow shirt. I got my snow shirt on. So, <laughs> uh, hands. Let's let's talk about the NFL real quick. Um, Let's go to December 30th, 2001. The Colts are playing at the Rams. You make your NFL debut at defensive tackle. Kurt Warner throws for 359 and three touchdowns. Marshall Falk runs for 118 and three touchdowns. The Rams win big. So my question is, what was it like trying to defend those two? Well, a couple of things. Uh, first and foremost, I, I broke my hand, a, a pretty severe hand injury. And that was my first game back on active roster in pads and and playing. So as you mentioned, it was just an incredible night for me. And I remember a couple of things from that day. Number one, the trivia question happened to be about my uncle Merlin, of course, being a legendary Ram. And so I'm sitting there in warmups and I'm like, do I have to hear about my uncle right now? Really? (laughs) Like I, I no, I can't get away from it. Number two, I got thrown in in the second quarter and, um, they had a, uh, they had an offensive lineman, uh, Orlando Pace. Yeah, some might, yeah. some might remember him. Yeah, and I remember I, I came out of the <laughs> huddle, and went to line up, and I heard him say "fresh meat," and I was like, "Jeez, that's <laughs> not, that's not what I wanted to hear." Uh, and I think it was my second place scrimmage. I was able to get a hold of of um, uh, Falk's leg, and he carried me for about five years or five 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 yards, and finally got him down 
it was it was just cool. I was a little bit starstruck because yeah. I watched them win the Super Bowl. You remember that Rams mm-hmm. Tennessee Titans Super Bowl? That was a memorable Super Bowl for me. I think it was my senior year. It was the year before or two years before. And, and so I was a little bit starstruck for the moment. But uh, I just remember thinking, I'm finally going to get a nice paycheck out of this. That, that's yeah, what I was most that's excited. important. I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm trying to think in my mind of the years because Spencer Need was there plowing the road at fullback for Marshall for a couple of seasons with the Rams. I'm not sure if he was there that year when you played against him or not. Do you remember if you played I, against Spencer? It must I, have been, I think it was a year later I, that Spencer came. It was came a year in. later. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. it was a year later. He he was playing, I think, his senior year. Yeah. Um, that year that I stepped on the field uh, against the Rams. So I, I – and I didn't know Spencer Need was running fullback for Yeah, the they the Rams moved him over to – kind of h-back fullback and they just said that listen your job road grader just plow the road for marshall he's like that job i can do and uh, that's what he did for a couple he made a living doing that plowing the road for marshall hey the next week the next week though you had a you had a home game and a better outcome against the broncos yeah i I remember that game well too um made a couple of mistakes in that game i you know what's funny i talking about nfl time I feel like I've got so many mistakes that all I remember is the bad times. When you're playing in the league, it's like every play you wonder. It's when you're when you're in my position, you feel like every play might be your last. And so those games, you remember all the bad moments more than you remember the good moments. And I remember just thinking, I got to get through this rookie year, got to find a way to scrape through this rookie year. We kind of had an idea that Jim Moore was going to be fired that year. Yeah. That was the, the playoff year. You guys remember playoffs? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we'll be lucky to win enough. That quote lasted longer than his career. <laughs> it did. Oh, oh, man. I was in that locker room before he went to the, the media podium. <laughs> and if you thought he was animated in the media, in the media scrum, in the locker room, he was screaming about how he's got enough money he could move to Hawaii and, <laughs> ne- and never have to lift a finger for himself again because I got plenty of my out every penny you could ever imagine i don't need you guys i don't need this job and and then he goes to the media and we're like this isn't gonna go well no with me. no no. <laughs> no i mean we were thinking we were talking yeah. about it those two nfl appearances um on defense you you get marshall falk and falk and terrell davis yeah, yeah that's, that's <laughs> like how about that right he was a problem yeah yeah he was a problem uh he was carrying everybody all over the field those are two great backs. That was that was a those were fun years to be in the NFL. It was when they moved me to offensive line that things got really hairy. Going over to the offensive line side and trying to learn Peyton Manning's offensive playbook that was a nightmare. So, Holy cow! So Tony Tony Dungy comes in as and he and he calls you in. He yeah. says, "Hands, I know you've been on defense. I want you to move to offense." And you said, "Uh." I'd rather be a free agent, maybe move around, look for, for defense. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. And he said, uh, I just talked to Howard Mudd. Howard Mudd believes you can do it. Howard Mudd was the offensive line coach. He's considered like the, the, the great lineman guru. In fact, if you were to talk to Coach Funk about Howard Mudd, you're going to get some gushing because Coach Funk gets a lot of his offensive line sets from Howard Mudd. And uh, he said, Howard Mudd believes in you, that he could change an offensive line. And I said, all right, let's go. And I'd had a lot of respect for Howard. Howard played against Malcolm Merlin um, mm. back in the, the mid-60s and early 70s. 
and Howard committed to put me on that offensive line and, and really gave me everything he had. And, and I did get into that second. So it was my third year and I got into that second year and, and it, I just really couldn't grasp the offensive line responsibilities in, in that league. It was just, it's really in depth. It was really tough. I, I needed a little bit more offensive lineman background to be able to pick up what they were putting down. If Yeah. If it was easy, more people would do it. Right. And yeah. they don't do that at all. Yeah, it just doesn't happen that often. So, hey, we we wanted we brought Greg in. Uh, we're we're going to talk about we're going to talk about sports radio and uh, and radio calling the games. Um, you host a daily radio show in Utah with, with Scotty G still, right? With Scott Gerard yep. on kslsports.com. You also start working with Greg sitting right next to me as the football analyst for BYU Radio this fall, which we're all just pumped about when, when that announcement was made we're just so thrilled to have have you down here working with all of us what's the difference between being a radio host and now making this jump and being a game analyst on game day and working with this guy and just know greg's so, greg's gonna answer he's, I, I he's gonna, gonna answer answer after your answer <laughs> yep I'll so oh, okay. Too. okay so so uh i think all three of you can really relate to this so This game, I love this game so much. I miss playing it. There was a couple things. Number one, I couldn't play it anymore. Number two, I couldn't coach. I gave coaching a try. I can't do it. It's, I don't like kids. And (laughs) I don't like kids' parents. And I don't like coaching. So I couldn't coach. So how do you get as close as you can to the game? Well, you, you call the action. And I really discovered that when I started calling these bowl games, that being in the locker room and talking with the coaches and learning attributes of these players and being the in-game call where I'm watching all of the different fronts and different chess moves from coordinator to coordinator trying to figure out how to combat it's the closest you can get to the game without being a player on the field or a coach on the sideline. And when I got the initial call, it was the first surge because I did not want to leave this market. I want to be in this market. And I knew that if I was going to do these, these calls full time, it would have had to been probably out of this market. And when I got this call, I, I'm, I still get the butterflies thinking about about that call in this opportunity because it puts me so close to the game, as you guys know. Did, did Greg call? Who called you? Was it Greg that called you? It was Greg. So, Greg, Greg, so let's hear about, how this. I want to hear how this went down yeah, and what his reaction was. You we said, are, hey, hands, and what? Well, we're, we're live here on a, on a snowy night. Yeah. It was a snowy afternoon. Hmm. It was a couple of months ago. I, I was driving to the Marriott Center to call a basketball game. It was on my drive to the ball game that I decided to give Hans a call. And the conversation lasted the drive, and then I parked in my spot at the Marriott Center and stayed parked for a while <laughs> and talked some more. And it was, a, it was a really cool conversation. And, again, it was kind of out of nowhere. Um, you know, I, I've known Hans for a long time, but I'm not the kind of guy that just calls Hans up to shoot the breeze. And so when I placed the call... Um, it was an eye-opener for both of us, I think, as to how each of us, as to what each of us had to say and how each of us would, would react and respond. And I was struck by how much the idea meant to him, how much the prospect meant to him. 
and and how earnest he was about if this were to go any farther um, about wanting it to be the right fit in every way for everybody. And I I had a feeling and I shared it with him that day. You will be absolutely the right fit. And and I had that confidence from day one in talking to him that this was going to be a good decision. And um, and so I'm just glad it, it progressed step by step as we went on again, weeks and weeks later to finally get this done. But from that first conversation, that, that was what I what what remained with me was, was earnestness and sincerity and, and love for the game and love for BYU and and wanting to make Cougar Nation happy if this were to be the direction we go. And I, I felt comfortable from day one, and that comfort just increased with every ensuing conversation and text message and meeting and everything else. How cool was it uh, to get all that done, Hans, and then you look at the schedule, and you, you two get to be pioneers heading into the Big 12 for BYU's first year in the big time, and then you look at the venues, you get to go call the action in historic Texas, even Lavelle Edwards Stadium, but around that league. How excited are you? Which spot are you looking most forward to, you guys? Oh, man. I am beyond excited to get into some of these places. So it's it's funny because I've got uh, some old Colts teammates and old BYU teammates that are dispersed all across the country. And one of our first stops is going to be Arkansas. That's a big and, one. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one and playing the Razorbacks. My favorite all-time Colts teammate is a tight end from Arkansas named Jodine Davenport, and he's a chicken farmer. <laughs> and Jodine and I used to sit in our lockers next to each other, and Jodine would say to me, hey, buddy, as soon as I get a million dollars, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to buy me a chicken farm, and I'm going to farm some chickens. And he got a million bucks, guys, and he was gone. He's out. The next day, <laughs> Good for gone. him. He did. He took his million bucks. He went and bought a chicken farm out in Arkansas. He farms his chickens, and he's out there for every game. And he called me when he found out that uh, that I, I got this opportunity. And he said, you know I'm hosting you out here, right? You come out here and help me with my chickens. I was like, I'm not helping with any chickens, but I'll come out and give you some love for sure. That's and so then, fun. You know, I, it's exciting, guys. It's just exciting to think of Steve Sarkeesian and one of my old teammates, Peyton Manning's, nephew yeah i don't know if arch is going to be playing in that game but the prospects of it gives me the chills the thoughts of my old quarterback coaching my old quarterback's nephew and and playing in that game is is so exciting to me to be able to to call the action and to love up steve sarkeesian as a former cougar and knowing him the way i know him and having played that senior year his senior year with him and it's that's an exciting prospect they're all it guys i think the four of us as we sit around it gives you the chills yeah t, i'm excited it, t boone Pickens stadium is yeah Oklahoma State. Uh, uh, it, it's gonna be a big time venue there they've made such great improvements to it and and that renews an old rivalry from back in the 70s that right. hasn't been contested for a while yes. um and and uh, a venue where barry sanders did did amazing work and and we've been to texas before but being back at texas as a conference colleague is a different deal and he won't be with me for basketball, but you get to talk about places like Fog Allen Fieldhouse, oh, yeah. bucket list items in the Big 12. So uh, this should be a fun next few years, however long it is, for, for Hans and me together to check off all the boxes on all these different Big 12 venues we get to go to. And then to bring programs into Lavelle Edwards Stadium yeah. and, and see the Big 12 flags flying in the end zones, right, for those schools. And have different fan bases come and experience what it's like to be 
at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Uh, Baylor, as a Big 12 colleague, most memorably and recently, had their fans come to Provo, and it was universal afterward. It's like, wow, you know, how friendly they were, how, hospita- how hospitable it is at BYU, and to be able to be conference colleagues with them. So uh, Baylor kind of set the table for, I think, the rest of the Big 12, and, and what a good impression uh, BYU's put forth and will continue to put forth, I think, in, uh, in years to come. How sweet would it be uh, at the Texas game if the Saints are off and you have Taysom come run out the alumni flag. Oh, no, that would scare everybody. <laughs> it would be so might, great, it probably wouldn't happen. There's people that still go to counseling <laughs> that are Texas fans about that game down there. You realize Oh, yeah, that? his iconic leap and all that. Wouldn't that be something? I'm not sure Texas lets him on the sideline. <laughs> so I, I think I, you're I, right. You guys, I have a buddy <laughs> that, that was a big I kind of thought that was going to keep us out of the Big 12. Jeez, I don't know if BYU finds their way in, man. Texas is going to... Yeah. Keep them arms late, but where Texas is going to be jet, and they're like, "Well, okay, yeah. but we're leaving. We're, yeah. we're we're out of here. That's, we're not going to stick around for too long." I, I have a buddy, you guys, that was an All American baseball player at Texas that I work with, and we had a thing down in Texas, and he actually arranged for us to have this dinner in their like donors box at the stadium, and we walked across the field, and when we got down on one side, he goes, "Hey, by the way, you know what happened right here, don't you?" And I go, "Oh, this." This isn't, is it? He goes, yep. This is the spot where your dude leaped over our guy. <laughs> like, it left a scar. It left a scar on him. And he goes, that day left a scar on every Texas fan that is indelible. will never be yeah. erased from our minds. So, yeah, if, if Taysom runs out the flag, advantage BYU. <laughs> that, would be, that would be something it, else. You know, uh, I was just talking with my co-host, Scotty G, today, and we were laughing our butts off because we were thinking – What's the Big 12 going to think at Media Day when all of our entities show up? The Big 12, the Pac 12 just sat there. I remember our first year in the Pac 12. At the time, we had three sports stations, but we had all of our news stations. And Lane Kiffin was rotating through stations and he yelled at Scotty and he's like, This is like the third station. And Scotty (laughs) said, Yeah, this is your last one for the day. And then he ended up at one of our TV stations and he yelled at the TV guy. He said, that old Salt Lake guy, he told me that was the last Salt Lake. And this guy's like, no, we're the TV. We, as a state, we love our college football. And I think that the Big 12, right out of media day, is going to see how much we love it. And they're going to get a taste for how big we make this as a state. And I'm excited for them to see how much we love football here. As Greg mentioned, the, the the fans of these Big 12 teams getting to come into Lavelle Edwards Stadium, just see the magnitude, the size of it, and and how fans react to it. It's going to be eye-opening for that conference, what BYU does bring to the table. Think about and, and, and I think, too, guys, the, the, fan, the fan bases at the venues to which BYU will travel will be astounded by how well BYU puts fans in the stands. And it's not so much that BYU quote-unquote travels, it's right. that BYU brings people out of all these places. And these Big 12 schools are going to see this you know, this Royal Blue Army kind of rolling in and buy up as many seats as they possibly can to watch their guys play. And that's going to be an eye-opener, too, for some of these venues and these fan bases to see, man, this BYU program is everywhere. They're Who are in these every guys? building. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. Brett Yormark was here for the Baylor game and he was on our set on game day, uh, looking around, the weather was just right. The crowd was huge, and he was just like, "Man, you guys do this every week?" Yeah, that's what he said. We go, "Yeah, every yeah, week." Yeah, yeah, we do. And uh, it just blew his mind to see Lavelle Edwards Stadium and Cougar Nation in full force. Yeah, we're gonna be a great fit. Yeah, BYU's gonna be a great fit in this league. Uh, BYU already, you know, kind of felt. 
you know, P5 in almost every way except the actual stamp of approval in terms of uh, the media presence, the exposure, the attendance, the history, all the things that make a, a big-time program a big-time program. BYU's had that. They didn't have the membership. Now that they have that, it kind of completes the puzzle. Before Blaine asks you five questions, Hans, and then we'll let you go, let's ask you a big one here. Um, the portal opens on April 15th. Uh, what three areas does BYU need to go to meet some immediate needs for September 2? Wide receiver number one, in my opinion. I want to see them go get some wide receiver depth. I want to see them get some real speed. So, in my opinion, wide receiver number one. Depending on how you felt about your defensive ends through spring, your rush ability, whether it's your OE or it's your down three, it doesn't matter. You've got to make sure you feel confident that you can get a rush in Jay Hill's defense. And if you don't feel confident, I know DNs are really tough to come by in the transfer portal. But if you don't feel confident about it, then you've got to go get some rush edge pressure. You've got to find it. I'm hoping it's the... Bagnock kid out of Boise State, or I'm hoping that it's Ice Moa. I've got some hopes for some guys, but you've got to make sure you've got that rush come this fall. And then third, I'd probably make sure that I get the depth on corners. If I can get more corner speed, then I go get more corner speed. But I feel pretty good about this transfer running back. I, I heard you guys talking before I jumped on with you. I feel I feel good about a lot of position groups. But it's those three um, that I would head straight to the portal for. Greg, do you concur? Yeah, I'm with him on that. I, I think secondary depth, we know it, it, it's – it's, it's a rarity that BYU doesn't have secondary depth issues these days uh, where guys get hurt and we th- they'll be out a little while. They're out a long time. And I, I just, I think you can't be too deep there. Uh, but I agree with the things that Hans said ahead of it, no doubt. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting before, before, and maybe you were listening then, um, Hans, we were talking about BYU feeling really, really good about their starting corners and really still have questions about the, the three and four. Yeah. And you need to have yeah. four. Right. And so maybe you find. Oh, another. yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, in fact, the entire secondary, they feel really good about the first four. They feel like it's a big 12 secondary, but you got to have eight. Yeah, you got to have eight. And so they, they're still trying to build depth there for sure. Um, and uh, I think I think like, without saying too much, um, we're going to see that there's some defensive linemen that you're going to be happy about hands that are going to come to the portal. I don't know anything about a lid lifter. They need a lid lifter as a wide receiver. Um, the guy that can because they lose Gunner and they lose Puka and Puka's not blazingly fast, but for some reason he could just stretch defenses. When I said they need a lid lifter, they need somebody that can get vertical down the field, that make the safeties respect and create space in the intermediate routes. And I don't know they have some really good receivers, Keanu and Co- like I really like Chase Roberts, but I think they've got to go get a ten four hundred meters guy with some size that can stretch the defense, and and hopefully they can find that. And I don't know about anything like that, but I think. When it's all said and done um, on the defensive line, we're to go, hmm, oh, that was nice before before that's done. So I'll just leave it at that. Rarely does Blaine leave anything at that, and so that's significant, <laughs> Hans, when he leaves that, <laughs> at that. So we'll watch that closely. All right, you ready for five questions? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. You're not even allowed Greg, to th- you're going to get these two, yeah, but Greg's later. Get okay. Hans, you're not even allowed to think about these. The first thing that comes to your mind. That's, that's the purpose okay. of this, because then we really get to know who you are, right? All right. So I've known him long enough. I think I really know who he is anyhow, but here we go. So <laughs> your favorite sports movie. What? A stumper what? right what? off the gate? Right out of the gate? That's not that hard. <laughs> I 
Okay, so here's here's the problem. Here we go. I don't I don't know if uh, I don't know if Gleaming the Cube is a sports movie. <laughs> what is Gleaming I, the Cube? I, I, like now I'm really stumped. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, we're all stuck. Greg, Roll, have you ever even heard of that? I've heard of Gleaming, heard of Gleaming the Cube. Okay, yeah, well, at least Greg I haven't. That. Blaine and I haven't. That's like another it's, level. It's, okay, it's Vision Quest. <laughs> Vision Quest. The wrestling, wrestling movie. movie with Journey. Uh, Journey had the big song See, in there. See, that one we know. Only yes. the young. All that right. one we know. Journey, okay. Journey and Madonna. But yes. now, now I'm going to have to go look yeah, up the Gleaming, Madonna song the, was good too. Gleaming the Cube. It's a wrestling movie. It's a skateboarder movie, isn't it? Uh, Vision Quest is a wrestler. No, 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 no. no. Uh, Gleaming, Gleaming, the, Gleaming the, cube. the Cube is a skateboard. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, that does skateboard. Okay, I'm not Gleaming. Like... Let's just move on past <laughs> Gleaming hey, the Cube. I'm just, I'm going to tell you guys. I get oh, my gosh, we've got a graphic up. we got a graphic up. There it is. It's right over your face, Hand. Gleaming the Cube. Risking it all. Gleaming the Cube. I get criticized for my movie takes all the time. People hate the movies that DJ, I love. Did you do that? Did you come up with that? Nice job, DJ. Way to go, he DJ. May as well, he may as well have gone uh, over the top with Sylvester Stallone on that one. Serious. On a sports movie. Wow. Yeah. All right, let's go okay, with Vision that, Quest. Okay, we're going to go with Vision Quest. So, favorite singer or band? Neil Diamond. Oh, All boy. right, that's classic. Yeah. So, no, hey, new, hey, there's a new musical in Broadway. Broadway. New, new, new it's got to be awesome. And, uh, uh, yes, and my... My one of my very best friends. That is his best friend from high school. That the guy that plays Neil Diamond is from Utah. Yeah, he, he's a hale. So like it's yes. he's he he it's it's Will and and it's called a beautiful noise. Yeah, I it's think. a beautiful yes. noise. You gotta go. You gotta go see that. I've oh, heard phenomenal good. things about it. So. so I'm gonna go see it. And I've I've been to three Neil Diamond concerts. And when I was with the Colts, I got uh, two tickets to Neil Diamond from our GM uh, and Bill Polian. And he, I asked him two months in advance. He goes, just get to me a week before. I went to him a week before. He said, uh, just tell me day of. I told him day of. He gets me two tickets, and they actually placed two chairs right in front of Neil. And so my wife and I got to sit right in front of Neil. He was serenading you? Evening. Neil uh-huh. was serenading you the whole time? <laughs> serenaded this whole time. And so <laughs> he, he dotted his head with his hanky. And he threw his hanky, and it went over my head, and I went to reach for it, and I fell over these older ladies <laughs> that were that he was throwing it to, trying to get his hanky. And then he just finished singing Heartlights. And, you know, after he does Heartlights, I don't know if you guys have been to his concert. No, but, but we love it. After he does Heartlights, everybody goes dead quiet because it pulls such emotion. Even though... It's a, a tribute song from E.T., e. e. which, e. which is bonkers. Yeah. It's still an emotional thing. <laughs> so the entire room, all oh. you know, 30,000, 45-year-old women were dead quiet. And I yelled at the top of my lungs three feet away, I love you, Neil! I'm three <laughs> feet away from him. And he got on the mic and he pointed at me. He goes, I love you too, man. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it That's was. How about was, that? Hey, it was I'm, one of those moments in your life where hands. I'm glad you. I'm glad to see when I threw out the musical thing. I'm glad you were right on top of that, and I'm glad you gave Will Swenson a little pub. So Will's local. Um, he's a yes. Hale, like all the Hale theaters, the Hale Center, mm-hmm. Center yeah. Theater in Orem, the big ones up in Salt Lake City. That's his family. Will's married to Audra McDonald, who's one of the biggest Broadway female stars of all time, multi Tony yep. Award winning. Yeah. She's also the voice of is it Mrs. Potts in the. Beauty and the Beast. I, I believe think. it is. Yeah, yes, but but anyhow, at, yeah. So we'll give Will a little pub there. I'm glad you did that because that's that's a big deal. And 
You got to go see that musical. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I will. It's pretty cool. So let us know what you think of it. Yep. As you'll we'll have you back on as a reviewist. Yep. We'll have you. Yeah, we'll bring you back on and review. I had Dave review um, Moulin Rouge because we went and watched Libby and Moulin Rouge. And yeah, that was fun. It. He's never he's never been to a Broadway musical mm. until then. Until I no, I've been it. to a few Broadway plays in New York, but not not like that. That was something else. Yeah, yeah. So that was great. We took him there. Okay, favorite breakfast cereal. Uh, checks. <laughs> what do you mean checks? Like rice, rice checks, checks, cinnamon checks. Yeah, yeah just, checks. Just rice checks. Just I rice take, checks. So I, I soup it up a little bit, but I take the just the, the regular rice checks. I hit it with some honey. And, okay, now uh, we're talking. Yeah, and some vitamin D milk and a banana. Okay, now, now I'm okay with that because to me, rice checks just taste like hay, like alfalfa. And like you have to put six, he dresses table, it up. He dresses six it up. tablespoons yeah. of sugar. Yep. But now that yep. you added the honey and the bananas, I'm all in on that. That's okay. Yeah, it's... It's I, I would also say you could probably add a few blueberries to that, and it would be really, really good. That mix that, that would knock it up a notch. So okay, rice checks it is then. Okay, your favorite uncle is it Merlin or is it Orin? <laughs> <laughs> Orin, it's and Orin. It's not even close. Not even Orin. close. Orin is a legend, man. So Orin. I've only met Merlin a couple of times, but I love Orin. I gotta tell you, I oh. love him. Oren's a boss, yeah. and uh, I've I've always told Oren if I if he could just get me into heaven, I'm like Oren. I know you've earned like five <laughs> or six different free entries into heaven because he served at least 24 missions. Is that right? <laughs> he, he just wrapped up his 25th with his wife Sandy, oh. and I, I'm just begging him when you get there, please yeah. just say I know Hans is a crazy maniac, but. I've worked really hard to get him into heaven. So uh, Merlin by yeah. uh, Oren by yeah, far. Mer now okay. Merlin, Utah State, Allen Trophy, one of the greatest defensive linemen in the history of the game, arguably the greatest, right? Oren chose the right school, went to BYU, played center at BYU, all conference, all whack back in those days. I love I love I love Oren Olson. One of my favorite yep. people. So um, okay. Favorite uh, life saving story. <laughs> 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 have you heard this one Greg? yes i've heard this one that's why i asked it because we want you to tell about when you saved a life uh, of a drowning Greg, motorist on november 5th Greg, 1996 Greg, have you heard about this i did yeah uh, you, you were you were playing for byu at the time this was a big deal greg if, knows if, your if whole file if this had happened in the social media era oh, oh my yeah. gosh you'd be like superman like uh, you would have got an nil deal out of this alone <laughs> all right so I'm lay it on you. our lay it on us so i'll make it quick uh and and it happened to be me and Oren. And it was November 5th, and it was a crazy winter like this. We had insane snow, and Oren wanted to go fish the southeast end of Deer Creek, where that inlet comes down, mm -hmm. where the road kind of bends up. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, his father-in-law was longtime track coach, Coach Robinson, and he came out with us. And I told Oren, I'm like, it's too snowy. Not doing it. And Oren's like, you're crazy. I already bought your fishing license. I'm you're going. Get you. That's Oren. He so bought he the comes, fishing license. He comes and picks me up against my will. <laughs> and we go out to the fishing spot. We get there like 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. And we're fishing the, this stream that falls into Deer Creek about 50 yards away from the road. And probably 7.30 in the morning, sideways snow, freezing cold. Oren had fallen in so he had one leg that was soaked up to his hip and i don't even know why we're out there but we hear this 
screeching tires come off the road. And one of those old power wagons, you remember the power wagon rams or whatever mm-hmm. it was, yep. comes flying off the road. And it starts into a cartwheel spin. So the front's hitting and then the back is hitting. Mm. And it's this cartwheel spin. And it comes about 50 feet down this, this hill and lands upside down in this huge pond of water that's just below the road. And you could see the tires sticking up. And I thought there's just, you know, when you see that, you don't think there's anybody in the truck. There's like, there's nobody in the truck. There's no way there's somebody in the truck in that freezing cold water underwater is just not happening. So I thought he got thrown out. I'm looking all around. My Uncle Oren was actually the tough one. And he jumped in the water and he's yelling at me, I think he's in the truck. And I was like, no, I don't think he's in the truck. I, I don't I don't think he's in the truck. And the horn starts honking under the water. If you hear oh, this, yeah. And he said, he's in the truck. And so Oren goes down kind of under the water. The water was just up about to his face and he's reaching in the truck, trying to ice cold grab water. This guy. Huh? Ice cold water. November ice cold water. water. Right. And he, he gets a hold of this guy and this guy kicks him away. And and so Oren pops his head up and he says, get down in here. He's, he's fighting me. And I was like, what? Who would fight you? He's a monster. <laughs> so I jumped down in the water and he said, on the count of three, we're going to go in and we're going to grab this guy and we're going to get him out of his truck. I said, okay. He said, one, two, three. And we reach in, we both grab this guy and we pull him to the window, but the window had smashed down. Um, probably it was like a, a 10 12 inch opening and we grabbed this dude and the both of us big old monsters were heaving and hoeing on this guy i thought we were going to pull him out piece by piece finally got this guy out his name is tom swan he's like 6'6 380 pounds oh my gosh a massive dude and we get him out and the three of us are standing there frozen soaking wet looking at each other and tom's looking at us like what and oren goes why'd you kick away from me and he said, because you pulled me from my air pocket. His air pocket was up by the floorboard because oh. the truck was upside down. And he was breathing the air up by the, mm. the floorboard. And he was getting pulled underwater and away from his air. And so he was kicking away. And uh, he got a big gulp of air when we pulled him through. And the only thing that was wrong with him was a little scratch on his hand. No kidding. Yeah, wow. That was it. That was it. Do you and, have a relationship uh, with him today? Yeah, we, we, we do. He came to my wedding and, and he's, he stayed close through, you know, my time in the NFL and my broadcasting. And I I haven't touched base with him in a, in a little bit, but he had, I believe it was five daughters and he's just a great family man. Wow. Unbelievable story. Yeah. That that makes you Superman. That thing would have been viral that story would have been viral in today's social media world but not enough people so now all of our folks are going to hear about it which is great do you guys remember uh the the radio man like harvey paul Paul harvey the rest of the story and now the rest rest. i remember listening to that getting my hair cut at the byu barber from like on saturday morning like down the street from danny ainge when he he and michelle were living in arizona i think and yeah. now oh, really? you know. classic storyteller. Yeah. He did the uh he did that whole story as uh that and, and that's the rest of the story. Oh yeah. cool. Oh wow. Yeah, that's yeah, very I, cool. I, I still have it on cassette tape. In fact, I think it might be my mom and dad's most proud moment. Not mm. not that I saved somebody, but that Paul Harvey said their son's <laughs> name. I think, was, I think that was he was a, big time. Yeah, that's yep. great. So he, he would wrap it up with 
I'm Paul Harvey. Good, good day. day. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. He's a classic. <laughs> he was a classic. So, so we're give, we gave you five, but I'm going to give you one bonus bonus question. We'll give you a six because you're hey. you're all the guys that played for Lavelle are especially get a six question, and that is the your favorite piece of advice that you ever got from Lavelle. Oh man, favorite piece of advice that I got from Lavelle. Holy cow! I've I've got a lot of advice from Lavelle, but um, I remember getting pulled into his office my senior year. I had gotten a couple of senior bowl invites to go play at the Blue Gray and to go play at the Gridiron Bowl. And I was sitting down with him and obviously my football career was just up in the air. Uh, I was a, a sixth, seventh round rated free agent. And he leaned across and he said, I want you to play this game as long as you possibly can. And I said, okay. And he said, play and play and play because you'll have your whole life to work. So play this game and play with energy and keep your passion and have fun and play this game. And I actually really applied that uh, through my time in the NFL and my time in the AFL. I played nearly as long as I could. I, I did walk from the AFL on my time, but the broadcast had come and it was a great opportunity to transition. And, and I still haven't worked. So I'm now I just, I now I just, talk about football instead of playing it still taking his advice but i thought that was great advice and and advice that i'm sure would really resonate with you guys that you only get a small window to play this amazing game and to be a part of it and lavelle's advice was do it as long as you possibly can because there's a lot of life to live after it and i'm glad he gave me that advice yeah, I'm too. Now you get to play uh, with Gregory Bell, and it and it's the same game, just a little bit higher up in the Hans stadium. Is one of those guys that that uh, can say he's just loved his what he, what he's called work has never really been work, right, Hans? Your oh, whole life, man. That's a blessed, I, I it's a just, blessed life when you can even, do what you love your whole life. I can't even. I know Greg would say the same do. thing, and I get to say the same thing, and Dave gets to say the same thing, right? I, I can't even believe what I get to do, and and I. <laughs> Greg talked about that first conversation that uh, we had. I still get chills thinking about being in the booth and seeing the coin toss and getting to help break down what BYU is doing in their front alignments and what BYU is doing in an effort to change their protections to solidify the pocket and what they're doing in motion and some of the differences from the – 2022 defense to the now Jay Hill defense. I it gives me chills to think that I'm going to be doing that and getting paid for it and hanging out with Greg and being able to bring that passion to BYU fans. It just it's not it's not work, man. It yeah, is just going to be fun. pure joy. Wait, yeah. Greg and I and, and and Dave have all said to each other at one time or another, man, this is so amazing. We we, we would probably do it for free. And then we go, Whoosh. don't tell anybody. Don't say that to anybody. Because <laughs> yeah. they'll take us up on it. Don't say that out loud. Don't <laughs> let that get out, whatever you do, right? You know, anybody who's who's heard hands over the years or, or watched them or seen this segment even tonight, um, you know, it, it's pretty evident uh, of what he's going to bring uh, to the radio airwaves as a BYU analyst. And I... 
I, I have what I call the, the the three P's of play-by-play, but but I think they, they they kind of work for analysis too, and and he's the embodiment of these. And 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 my three P's are are passion, preparation, presentation. Passion, preparation, presentation. Hans has the passion. Oh, I mean yeah. that's I mean that that drives yeah. him. You can tell. Preparation. No one prepares like he does. No one breaks it down like he does. He sees the game in a unique way. And the presentation is who he is, who you hear uh, through the mic and over the headset. And, and so he aces all three Ps. And that's why he's going to be a, a great game analyst uh, for Cougar Nation. I can't wait to get the season started. And uh, I'm so glad that this uh, relationship exists now. Because, again, till that, till that first telephone call, we knew each other. We'd be around each other since I covered him. We'd, we'd see each other. But we weren't. We did, you know, we weren't, um, we weren't partners, right? And now yeah. we're now we're already partners, and it feels, it feels great already. And I think it's a unique relationship, Blaine and Dave. You guys speak to it as well as any. When, right. when you have a broadcast partner you're with, and you spend as much time together and as much time on the air together and off air, it becomes a special and, and unique bond. And um, I, I I can't wait to spend time with hands. Hey, the beauty of this extended winter is the off season's going to seem really short. That's right. And you guys can yeah. be on the job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Greg, thanks for your endorsement, brother. Thank you for your endorsement. And thank you for this opportunity. And uh, all I can do is try to make you proud and make BYU fans proud and, and make my family proud. And, and that is what I'm committed to doing. And uh, I cannot wait. It's going to be incredible. And you're right, Dave. It's going to shorten this off season a little bit. Spring ball <laughs> flew. I can't believe yeah. how early they started. Now you got three practices left. I'm going to get out there on Monday and try to pick up a couple of things, but we'll be jumping into fall camp before you even know it, guys. Yeah, yeah it seems like it'll be barely ski season, and then we'll be doing football. Although you can't go skiing because there's too much snow. Yeah. Yeah. When have we ever there. had that? My kids were going to go skiing today. I came home from work and I'm like, I thought you were going to go skiing. They go, yeah, we can't. Too much snow. Too much snow. That's <laughs> happened a couple of times. That, that, that's when you know you have a wacky year when you can't go skiing because there's too much snow. Yeah. So, yep. Hands, welcome to the family. We look forward to having you on this show a lot. And certainly we look forward to rev- your review of a, 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 It's a Beautiful Sound by Neil Diamond. When I got to go see whatever And we'll that break down the kids as we head into skateboarding movies. Dave's going to start gleaming the cube tonight. Gleaming the cube. And, uh, I'm going to yeah. go watch that. I don't so. know if I'm cool enough to even watch that movie, but <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> if we do watch it, it may raise our coolness. Yeah. Raise, raise, uh, quad, uh, whatever it's called. Hands, bit. thanks for being with us. Thanks, Hans. Thanks, guys. See you, Hans. We'll see you, brother. The great Hans Olsen. And uh, I think he's going to be a blast to work with. Yeah, you have some fun with Hans. So so how do you um, develop the chemistry before just showing up on September 2nd? Or can you? There's no simulated games. No, I I just think you just have to know how you are with a guy and how a guy's going to be with you and, and the audience. And, and, you know, I get asked a lot, you know, when, when, you know, whether, whether it was uh, from Mark to Riley or Riley to hands, do you, do you want to do practice games with the guy? Do you want to do, and I just, I've never been a simulation guy. I've never been one of those guys that can say, let's bring a guy in and, and watch a screen and call some plays. I just kind of feel, it is a feel thing for me. It was with Riley and it is with hands, but I don't think, um, I, I don't think we made anything other than a great decision there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think it'll be fantastic. Hey, I, but, oh, go ahead. I was saying, I, when, uh, I was calling a game at Tennessee with Steve Stallworth, former UNLV quarterback. UNLV was playing Tennessee. In the booth next to us was Jim Nance and Terry Donahue, and they were trying Donahue out because the following week was the CBS game, Tennessee and Florida. So they were doing 
that a practice game. So Jim must yeah. not have had the feel for Terry, <laughs> and he didn't do it for very long. That you have for for hands, but when yeah. you said that, I've, the only time I can remember someone doing a practice game, I'm like, really, you guys are here yeah. doing a practice game, and yeah. they were. I, I think hands are going to hit it out of the park. I think it's uh, it's going to yeah. be great. It's going to be yeah. fun. Well, we've got Greg just just on our own here now without hands we need to do, reintroduce greg should we do that yeah so so our friend greg rubel has been behind the mic calling byu sports since 1996 as basketball play-by-play voice in 2001 as the radio voice of byu football also the voice for byu baseball and women's soccer right now preparing both mentally and physically for byu's first season in the big 12 so what were you worried about the most when the legendary play-by-play man Paul James retired with Lavelle back in 2000 and the microphone, as it were, was handed to you when most of our lives we had only heard Paul James? Well, first of all, I don't know that I would have gotten the opportunity when Paul James stepped down in 2000 had he not had an issue in 1996 that with, put me in his, his heart for six weeks, right? right. He had that heart issue. Yeah. So he was, on the, he was on the sidelines for six weeks, and I was an emergency fill-in. I got to do one BYU football game, uh, the WAC title game against Wyoming in 1996 in Vegas. Yeah. And I got all the basketball games he missed over that month and a half, uh, two-month span where he was uh, recovering from uh, six bypasses surgery. So I was the emergency fill-in. I'd never called a game of any kind at any level at any level not even hockey nothing wow the only thing i had done was been his sideline guy since 1992 so i'd had those years on the crew with paul so i got to get the sense of how to do the job by wearing the headset and the jet pack and being on the sidelines and being part of his pregame in-game halftime postgame coverage i got to be around him and sense how it's done but i'd never called a game at any level i had the experience of learning how to do it by listening but that's it so and and Guys, there are so many days that I wear the headset down there and I would think about what he did and I thought I would tell myself, I could never do that. Just too hard. Yeah. He's so good at it. I mean, I, I'm still trying to, you know, follow the ball and find out where it's going. He's already made the call and he's, I'm just trying to catch up in my mind with what he's calling. I thought, how amazing is that? And I really did have that prevailing thought, I could never do this. It's, it's just so difficult and he's so good at it. So that's the prevailing thought I had. And suddenly... The pregame of the 1996 BYU-Utah game, he's up in the booth at uh, then Rice Stadium. I don't think it was Rice Cycles yet, Rice Stadium. And we're in the pregame. And our engineer, John Donnell, the late great, the, the, not great, he's not late, he's great. Uh, John Donnell, uh, KSL engineer, was our football engineer, uh, spoke down to me in my headset and said, you might need to get up here. This is during pregame of the BYU-Utah game. And I said, what's going on? He goes, well, Paul's, Paul's having something, an episode, something's going on with Paul. Just be ready. And I clearly wasn't ready. Um, and as it turned out, Paul decided he would carry on with the game. They had done, they, 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 they assessed him during, paramedics came to the booth. And the EMTs assessed his situation and said, you know, Mr. James, you've, you've had a cardiac issue here. You need to get to a hospital. He's like, well, this is the BYU-Utah game. Yeah, he can't leave that. I, I feel, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take a couple pills and I'll, I'll do the game and I'll, I'll check myself in after the game, but I'm not missing this game. And sure enough, he did not miss the game. And I think there, there's probably, um, there's video of the, the telecast that day showing PJ in the booth, and they kind of told the story on the TV side of what the radio guy had gone through just to call the game. So Paul calls the game, and thankfully for him, I think, and all of us, it wasn't a dramatic game. It was kind of a blowout for yeah. BYU. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ran the ball forever, threw the ball like 12 times. Yeah, I remember uh, them asking Norm after the game, uh, 
Why did you keep running? He goes, because they couldn't stop yeah. us. I, I think literally Sark <laughs> was maybe 7 for 12 that day. It was crazy. Just ran the ball for 400 odd yards, won the game easily. And Paul does go to the hospital right after. And they do a quick assessment and say, you need sextuple bypass surgery ASAP. Mm. And so he calls me from the hospital and says, Greg, I'm, I'm, I've got a heart issue. I'm going, to the, I'm going into surgery. We've got a game at Seattle, uh, BYU and Utah, or BYU and Washington basketball here in two days. You've got to call the game. So Paul basically kind of put me on a plane and said, go. And that was it for me. So that was the start of it. I had never called a game. And yet I was on a plane Monday. Uh, Paul Ruffner, his broadcast partner, was, you know, kind enough to stay with me for those few games and and work with me. But I called my first ever game of any kind as an emergency fill-in for Paul James at University of Washington on a Tuesday night in, in early December of 1996, and that was the one in 25 season for BYU. Yeah, did you get to call the Utah State game? I that did. They won? I, I, yeah, Paul didn't get any there wins. You go. I got the one win. <laughs> How much you fun was that? <laughs> that was, uh, in the end, it was really fun. That was all we got. I, I, but <laughs> my, my, my first game I called, BYU lost 95 to 44. Oh, a 51 point that loss. That is not easy to call. And there were a lot of big losses to come that year. Yeah. And of course, Roger gets let go a few games into that. And so, then Tony Eagle comes on. That was my entree to play by play. And after that year, well, so Paul came back. Paul came back in six weeks. And then he made the decision at that point that he would do home games. I would do road games to end the year in basketball. Right. So I got those six weeks, everything. Then we split home road. Then he said, after that season, I'm football only. Yeah. So by saying I'm football only, that gave me a few seasons of basketball right. to hopefully get a little better at the craft to where when he stepped down in 2000, I might have made more sense as a fill-in because I'd had some reps. But if he'd gone full health to 2000 and said he and Lavelle were gone at the end, who's to say that KSL doesn't open up a broad nationwide search and bring in somebody in? I'm not the guy because I didn't have the reps, but I got reps thanks to that situation. And, and the old luck is preparation meets opportunity situation kind of I, I had some preparation I had an opportunity and that was a an element of luck in my career yeah. I called the UNLV football for I think 10 years while we were in the Mountain West mm-hmm. while that was going on so I know what it's like to call losing seasons <laughs> and oh, there yeah. were seasons it's, it's, where we didn't win uh, but your football BYU basketball your first season 25 losses yeah. and the one win um it's, it's, uh, I remember, and I'll ask you, I remember tears came to my eyes as I'm calling San Diego State's down in Vegas to win the, the, the whack and go to their first holiday bowl and they miss a field goal, a chip shot. And they had like the best kicker in the country and UNLV won and they carried Jeff Horton off. And that was one in 11, I believe that season. Mm-hmm. I remember getting emotional because I yeah. knew how much it meant, yeah. uh, to all those guys and how hard losing was. And, and so you go through one in 25 season and then you see it get turned around. You can't help but be emotionally connected right. to the outcome. And, and for your situation there, the one win came at the end. Yeah. Right? So that was, but BYU's one win came pretty early, early in the one in 25. There were a lot of losses still to come. And that's why I was just so grateful to Tony Ingle uh, for a first year play by play guy to deal with a losing team. Um, to have someone like that Hell be the guy you've got to work with and deal with, I, I mean, there could be no better was situation. Was he one of the most positive people oh you've ever God. been around he, in your he, lifetime? He made it as enjoyable a one in 25 years it could possibly yeah. be right. because of who he was and yeah. how he was and how he treated me and made me feel like I was going to be okay at this. And and so Tony was 
I mean, he was the, the saving grace of that season for me. And, and although it didn't work out for him to continue with BYU, you know, I, I certainly didn't stop following Tony Ingle. Mm-hmm. And, and to see the career successes he had down the line was so rewarding. And there were so many cool little mini stories and things that happened with Tony's life that, um, that, that brought me reflecting to that 1-25 season and how pleasant he could have made it for a very unpleasant situation. I was really blessed. Yeah, Tony Engel, one of the great human beings ever. Yeah. Like, what what a great human. And it's funny, uh, late in that year, um, it was a Billy Tubbs TCU team, and, and they swept BYU that year. But the, down at Fort Worth, um, they were smoking BYU. We were getting drilled, and um, he decided to keep his starters in until they got to 100. That was a big deal oh, to him. Oh, my goodness. And, sounds like Tubbs. Yeah, and, and BYU, there, there was no chance BYU was going to compete in that game, and yet he wanted his starters in to get to the 100. And, and Tony said... Um, after the game, you know, I've got a long memory, you know, I've got a long memory. And years later, Kennesaw State played Billy Tubbs Lamar team in a tournament in Alaska, I think. And they were head to head for the first time since that game, I think. And, and Tony's team won. Oh man. And I texted Tony that night and I said, do you remember? And he said he did. And it was kind of a cool (laughs) moment because, and, and again, he's not a vengeful guy, but it was just kind of funny that, that, you know, Billy kind of put the, you know, put the. You know, kind of, kind of turned the screw a little bit that night when he didn't need to, and and it was fun to see Tony kind of get one back years later. And I, can, I wish I would I would have yeah. watched that game just for just for Tony. <laughs> what goes around that. always comes it around. Always comes around. Yeah. So, so you know, Dave and I, Dave's done a lot of radio. I've done a little bit of radio and mostly television. And it's funny, just I hate to interrupt you, but you know, I, we would go to Vegas and and call the games there, and we'd have the opposing opposing play yeah. by. And so Dave Dave would be on our air. As I'd pop in there in a UNLV a shirt. Yeah, yeah, he'd, 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 he'd get the, the red sweater. The yeah. I'll yeah. tell you something funny about that. All UNLV fans knew I was from BYU, um, and they were fine with me calling you games except for that game. <laughs> Where they just never felt like I was as in? excited for UNLV <laughs> as I was for BYU, and I'm like, you know, you, you always hear what you're listening for for sure. Right. With but he, I was sitting Dave, there thinking, Dave recruited me to come down and, and do when he started to go over and do some of the TV stuff for UNLV in the preseason football and basketball. He he vouched for me, and we got to do a bunch of UNLV. So stuff John together. Robinson, surrounded by BYU guys, yeah. were like, hey, that's yeah. that. And Dave was like, hey, I, I like BYU guys. I like BYU because yeah. he, he had a close relationship with Fred Whittingham mm. back in the day, and Jay Rob's like, yeah, I know Mormon guys. I know BYU guys. You guys are great. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, I so cut you off. I'm sorry. Bro. No, I was just going to say, so radio, um, it's a different animal than television. And, and television, you know, we're kind of watching a screen. We know everybody else is watching that screen. We don't want to say too much. Because people can see what, so we're trying to augment that a little bit. But in radio, you have to paint the picture. Like they can't see it. And so you've got to paint it for them so everybody in their mind's eye can, can watch that game in their head as you're calling. That's a mm-hmm. lot of responsibility um, to be able to come up with the words game after game to paint that picture so yeah. people can visualize that game in their mind. How do you do that? And how fun is it knowing that you have that responsibility? Yeah, it's been a great career-long challenge. And you say, you know, there's a worry about maybe saying too much. And my worry is, you know, I can't say enough. I've got to to hopefully get as much detail into the call as I possibly can. And that's the career-long quest is to try and find different ways to say the same thing. Find interesting and unique ways to describe places on the floor, places on the field, the way things are done. And so, yeah, every game for me is the chance to be a little bit better and be a little bit different and find something new to give the audience and that's why i'm always listening to a lot of play-by-play when i drive around to and from games i'm listening on my sirius xm to other calls of other games to try and find out 
who out there is doing those things and what kind of things are being said? What can I maybe borrow and incorporate? Um, you know, Kevin Harlan is a great TV play-by-play guy. He's a great radio play-by-play yeah, he's guy. Great. He's known because people see him and they know who Kevin Harlan is. He calls a lot of radio games. And I don't know that anyone is as good of modern-day broadcasters at putting more detail into a call than Kevin Harlan. And every time I listen, I'm, I'm amazed and pick up something else that I would never have thought to describe that he does. The way a quarterback's towel flaps off his belt, uh, and the way he licks his fingers before taking the snap, things that you're, and he's squeezing these things into a call, you know, and I'm just always blown away. He's so good at it. And that's what I, you know, strive to be is good at incorporating as much detail as possible without overloading the audience, making it too cluttered, and still giving space for someone like Hans to do his job mm-hmm. and shine in his own way. Um, and every sport has its own unique rhythm. And so that's that's the great thing, too, is calling four sports. You have four different ways to call a game yeah. and four different ways to incorporate a broadcast partner and ideally four different ways to please an audience. But uh, the great thing about radio is that you are everything to that listener. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at the airport last night with baseball. We were coming back from, where were we? Yes, Pullman. Washington. Uh, that's right. We were in Spokane. I'm imagine yeah. the weather wasn't much better than this, was it? No, well, we were delayed last night getting yeah. out of Spokane. Um, and, and we were talking to the baseball staff and I, and, and Trent was talking about that same, Trent Pratt, about the suspense builds when you're listening to a game on the radio driving and, and you're waiting for the play to, t- you know, to transpire and you're, you've only got the guy. You know, and so he says it's a really it's a it's an emotional connection uh, to a broadcast when that's everything for you. You can't see it happening. The the, the phrase you hang on every word. You have right. to, yeah. right? It's awesome. Yeah. How it's many a, it's uh, awesome medium? How many games do you think you've called? I don't know. I had a list. Like ballpark it. Uh, probably between a thousand and fifteen hundred, something like that. I used to have. A, I've got to update it. It's been a few years. I had a list going for a while where the sports, the different sports I called, I had my season by season totals, but I haven't gone to it for a few years. But I probably need to. Um, so probably probably fifteen hundred. Probably a yeah. friend helped me calculate once, and it was a few years ago, and we had passed a thousand. I'd passed the thousand. She yeah. didn't pass the thousand, although she calls them right alongside me. But yeah, but but I'd passed the thousand. We need to go back and count them up. Yeah, too. I'm, I'm going to do that. I know that BYU gave me a nice recognition when I hit 200 football games. Yeah, that's kind of a big number, and I'm probably closer to 300 now with football. I'd like to get to 400. That seems to me like kind of a milestone number yeah. for, for the longer term broadcast. When you think about football, it's 12, max, 13 max a you year. Have 13, four, 14 right. and so, one one year. So you're 14 talking, and one one year. So you're talking about 30 plus years of, of doing that right. to get to 400. So, right. but uh, yeah, I, I will go back and maybe just maybe, but I haven't done it for a few years. But it's yeah. it's a big number. So, so, yeah. so we're, we we prob- probably estimate 1,500 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So before you tonight announce your top three mm. yeah. of all time. Let's run over a couple of... By the of, way, where, can I just say how patently unfair it is? Uh, it's terribly unfair. To try and go But to I gave three. you a day's I, notice. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He's never, he's never made me do I, that. I get my three, but then I got... No, but I got, but I got the second well, three. Well, let's, let's make it even a little harder. Let's, let's talk about a couple that, that could possibly be okay. in, in the top three, and then we'll have you announce your, your right. top yeah, three. You but, but, of course, um, you know, back to Harleen, which we relived a little bit with the alumni game. Uh, last week, as Beck and Harlene were back together on the field, mm-hmm. um, that one was. Uh, and it, don't spoil it for us if that's in your group, yeah, because we're, we're just going to go down a list. Ideas and we're l- having people think, "Oh yeah, that might be my favorite." But that one was let you pick that yours. one was pretty cool yeah. in for a variety of reasons, uh, and 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 it's the start of a play. Which which what what's great about sports is you start the play with no idea how it's going to end, and then it ends in such sensational fashion, right? That was, well, I, okay, we're not spoiling it. No, anything. you don't spoil it. Yeah. No. All right, then we'll yeah. just move on to okay. the next one. So how about how about um, uh, the Manga Miracle 
he and I were standing right on the sideline for that, right where it happened, yeah. where, where, where Tanner at Nebraska completes the ball to Matthews. Um, this is 2015. How was that one for you? Yeah, was that is that? It's up there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't know we were like, just listing his like, top three. We we're like watching it, and <laughs> suddenly and we, this isn't very hard. He goes, he goes, he caught it, and I go, was he over the goal line? We both go, we don't know. Yeah. And the official, yeah, uh, wait, we go, going, oh, we're going to wait till they, yeah. yeah. And just before that, we were sitting there going, man, these things never happened to us. Not since yeah, 1980 have these things happened for us. Right. And they got it. And then it did. And that was before, like, in our broadcast in the alumni game the other day, Kyle Van Noy is the only guy that say, well, the reason Matthews, Matthews just dropped that because the shorts are too high. <laughs> he did go short, short. Maybe today. some truth yeah. to that. Yeah. So now, uh, Luke Staley's touchdown run to mm -hmm. beat the Utes 2001. in 2001 yeah. uh, and that brought the house down. Uh, and I'm going to assume that's not in your top three, so tell us what you remember about that. Near disaster. Oh, no. Okay. See, this is why we ask these kind of yeah. hard-hitting <laughs> questions. You, you, you all know um, that, that the... The press box glass is pretty thick at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Thank goodness it is because I pumped my fist as he went down the sidelines and I hit the glass. Oh, no. Okay. I, I, my, my it's knuckle, also tempered. It's my the knuckle, second temper. My knuckle starts to bleed. Like I, I punched the glass, not thinking. I mean, in jubilation I, I was, or no, what? No, no. I was just fist pumping in jubilation. Like he, yeah. And I hit the glass and so much that it injured my knuckle. As I'm calling the play, <laughs> but there are press boxes where glass breaks, and yeah. you've seen. I, I mean, right. they just fall right down onto people. Right, if it's the wrong kind. And so that was what I remember from that. Was first of all, the place shook. Yeah, I, I, and I mean, you were, the boat, the windows don't open at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We are insulated from everything, but even through the crowd mics, it was as loud as I felt I'd ever heard that place, and the place was shaking. And I hit that glass and and just was so glad that that was the thick stuff because there are press boxes where it's thin glass and it could have been a really bad situation. If that situation. was Wyoming, that glass is gone. Yeah, so, and I, I'm I, just I thought about that. Yeah. Not that Wyoming's press box is old. I was in the media room of, I stayed in the media room to watch the end of that game. It was on ESPN2 when they had the funny logo. Mm -hmm. uh, just before the Haseem Rockman-Lennox-Lewis fight <laughs> at Mandalay Bay, I think it was. But I wasn't leaving. And it was just a... a one, I can't believe he went untouched yeah. for 30 yards in a play where it didn't even look like he was open when Doman pitched when, it to It him. was a short side pitch. Yeah. yeah. And how did he have the room to run that? I mean, he, and he sped down. It was an amazing play. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's Luke. All right, let's go to this next amazing Yeah, we one, can talk about Luke. This okay. could be on the so list. So we're, we're talking about the Hill Leaps, Texas yeah. 2014 run. We kind of talked about that. He hopped right in front of us. We're down there at the 10 yeah. yard line, but you had to describe it. Yeah. I just, I just, I remember just screamed hurdle. My voice cracked on the, on, on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hurdle. And you just expect it. One not, of the most know. memorable plays in BYU history for sure. And can, sometimes can you uh, sit there and go, sides. can I believe, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing, but I have to describe it. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I hope I did a good job with it. Yeah. Yeah. That okay. was fun. That was a good one. Uh, all right. Let's go to Jaron Hall leading BYU past yeah. Utah. And a day after getting invited That's to the, the Big thing. Twelve, yeah. So a lot of emotion. It wasn't right? because, you know, the, of course, the outcome is the outcome. But but it was a game BYU wins by a decent margin. It was more about what it meant after nine straight losses and on a week where they get in. It was just this culmination. Like, could this week go any better for right. BYU? So it was more. It was more about more about a, kind of a big picture culmination event. Uh, you get the P five stamp of approval on the same weekend. You end 
the streak to your rivals. You're not going to see them for a few years. This will be the last memory for a long time, and you did it the right way, and you finally broke the. It was just a a special, special moment weekend that kind of culminated a lot of things instead of just one maybe, say, play or end of a game because the game, there was no drama in it at the end. But yet you could still count it down and enjoy it and savor it. When Hall turned the corner and ran 50 yards for a touchdown, uh, was called back because his toe stepped on the thing, which probably robbed you of a great moment because in the stadium, everyone thought he was inbounds. So he turns the corner and then just goes, and it's almost like justice finally being served. Yeah. I thought at that moment, well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even though it came back. That was, that was, uh, that was, I do remember that as one of the best weeks to ever be a kook, right? That was right. amazing. Right, let, well, let's take so, it up a notch here. So how about Jimmer um, and number nine BYU beats number four San Diego State in Provo in, in 2011? Yeah, really both San Diego State wins yeah. were epic. Uh, there and yeah. here. Oh, epic, amazing. Really. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the two games as a collection were just some of the most uh, intense and just energized moments uh, with two really good basketball teams featuring professionals on both sides. And it was, yeah, it's just the height, just the height of competition, amazing intensity. I, I just the, going into San Diego state and even just the night before the game with Vern Lundquist being there and Steve Kerr being there and, and, and the big CBS crew ready to call mm-hmm. the game the next day and knowing just how big this had gotten, um, couldn't wait for the day to arrive. And then the day arrives and uh, man, to, to win in that environment at Viejas, the way they did it, I think, I think Charles Abuo might have banked in a corner three that hit the side of the backboard. Right. And early, that's, that, that's okay. If that's going to happen, BYU could be okay here today. They might be all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was fun. Uh, how about BYU beats number one Gonzaga in Spokane in 2017? Yeah, the, the back-to-back-to-back Gonzaga wins were oh, all pretty man. cool. I yeah. mean, because no, nobody wins up there. But these guys and, were number one. And remember, they already yeah. had the headline printed of being 30 of their little all. paper. For, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. when Nate Austin goes up blocks that shot. Oh, and chased it down. Yeah, and yeah. chased it down. Yeah. The, the most improbable of yeah. all improbables, yeah. and you, you're describing it. Yeah, I, I don't remember what I said or how I said it, but it was that sense that no one does this, and BYU's going to do this. And then to have done it you know, three straight years was pretty cool, too. And, and knowing yeah. what that meant for Dave Rose, did that, did that make it more meaningful? I, I, I was hoping, my, my hope was always that when you would beat Gonzaga there, it would be to win a championship win a WCC championship yeah. and it never broke that way um you know you're good enough to beat Gonzaga on their floor I was hoping one of those years it would have been something that locked it down or it just didn't didn't turn out that way for BYU mm-hmm. yeah I kept waiting for the year where they'd win that champion you know the tournament championship yeah. down there just never never has now, never Gonzaga has. Will, will rebuild now that BYU is getting out of the yeah, league right well every year we think it's gonna be a dip year we see what their dip year looks like yeah, um, exactly. this was this was the least talented team that Mark's had and they were yeah yeah and and, and I <laughs> You know, Gonzaga, it's just, man, it, it's, it's amazing what they did when BYU joined the league. Because when BYU joined, it felt like BYU and Gonzaga were kind of right similar. Yeah. similar like BYU just beaten Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament. Right. There was no sense that this was going to be somewhere, something where someone pulls away from the other. Um, so kudos to what Gonzaga did yeah. in those 12 uh, years. Mark's done a phenomenal yeah. job during yeah. that run. So. So we had, because we had the number one one, we also had the BYU beating Gonzaga number two in Provo. Now that was an electric uh, night. Uh, no. In 2020. The Marriott yeah. Center that night was, like, 
ridiculous. Yeah, and but but it's, it's so bittersweet, right? Yeah. I mean, because you look back at it and you realize that was that was like the last happy moment we'd have that year. Um, they were one and done in the conference tournament, mm-hmm. and then everything shut down. Yeah. So it, yeah. it is so bittersweet. It, it because at how good TJ and Jake and, and Yoli were together, and to never have tasted the NCAA tournament with that group, that's just yeah. it. It's you know uh, the ultimate. But but on that I, night, I, I still yeah. I submit that there are two teams that in the last ten years. The biggest, I don't know what you want to call it, jip job, BYU and Dayton that year. Mm. I think Dayton could have won a national championship that yeah. year. And Would BYU seeing, was, a, I thought, yeah. a, a sweet 16 team at least. Yeah, I just felt they were going to be at least that yeah. that year. The shooting was so good. They were the number one three-point right. team in the country so that good. year. So good, and veteran leadership yeah, and every, all, the all of the pieces, yeah. right? It was all set up. In that game, toward the end, Yoli gets a two-handed dunk, dunk yeah. that, that, that sealed it. Yeah, and exactly. Place is going bananas. Yeah. You're down there in the front row. Yeah. You see the play develop, and then here it goes, and yeah. and you can feel the and satisfaction. Mark, Mark Durant already knows this because he's been on the receiving end of it for years. But on really big plays and really big moments, he is my release. I will hug him. I will hit him. <laughs> I will. I mean, he. I. I. He. I mean, he said it's a good thing he's a big guy. But he. Has, he said he doesn't even feel it anymore. But I. I. I pound his shoulder non-stop throughout the course of a season I, he's the guy like I, I let out my energy on him physically it's good that he's big he can yes. withstand that and again like you said I barely even feel you're so small Greg but uh, he's the guy that, <laughs> that that is on the receiving end of all of that energy and happily he just takes it and 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 doesn't uh doesn't prevent me from expressing myself that way but he gets a lot of physical abuse from me and I know he did on that moment from Yoli for sure he didn't mention like we had Mark here we had Devin and Mark yeah on the show Mark never ever talked about abuse at all no like he just no, I, talked about how, how much he loves work i think he's that. gotten help and he's worked yep, he's his, okay. his he's work through good. it doesn't even he's bother all good so how about uh women's soccer making their run to the college cup in 2021 yeah how about that yeah that's up there too yeah okay so he's not gonna give us it so that might i, I think felt that like that gave some away like okay. something all yeah. right so are you ready I mean, have, have we to, missed any okay but of all the coaches we've had come in and we've had almost all of them all the head coaches to get ready for the big 12 so when we had Jen in here, Jen mm-hmm. Rockwood, the soccer coach, and we asked her, we said, okay, is this program the most prepared of all the programs to go into the Big 12? And she goes, oh, yeah, we're going to compete for a championship the very first year we're in. We're not afraid of that league at all. Yeah, no, I won't be surprised. I, was, if, I loved her conference. No, 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 yeah, no. It will not uh, be a shock at all if women's soccer contends and wins this thing and immediately becomes Bam. the Bam. first Big 12 team uh, to win a championship. They're yeah. ready. They're yeah. bringing back everybody. Yeah, it's, it's I, I loved her confidence, but it's not – Unfound, like no. This is a national. A this is a national a powerhouse program. program yeah, right, right, right. And, and the Big Twelve has a couple teams that they'll be right there too. But BYU is right in the mix. Like yeah. there, there's no sense of having to acclimate. Um, and again, BYU I think should contend right away. Yeah. Greg Rubel, the radio voice of BYU football, basketball, baseball, and soccer, on the Wise Guys Tonight Live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and WiseGuys.com, and he's ready to announce. His yes, top, three top three I'm calls moments okay. of his BYU career, do starting three, with... Do three and then two and then well, one. Well, here's yeah. the thing. Um, do I... First of all, I, again, I don't think it's right that I have to just pick three. It's way too hard. <laughs> what if I... What if, it, do you want to give us a couple well, honorable no, 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 mentions? I, I, I do want to have... I want to have my three honorable mentions and then my top three. Is that all right? Yeah, that's okay. fine. Okay. That all fine? right. And when I say my honorable mentions, they could all be tied for third. Like, like the, there's, they should be tied for third. I don't want to, I don't want to shortchange okay, anybody. Okay, so here's what we'll do. The three honorable mentions and okay. then we will go three, two, one. Okay. With well, one you being know the what? ultimate we didn't even moment. Mention, and I don't know, maybe. Feels like we already announced what, them. One of my favorite games I've ever called. Okay, I'll, I'll say this. You, 
of the six, if I were going to name six, let's say, we already hit five. Okay, so there's only one you're missing. Okay. okay. Well, okay. well I wonder know. if this is the one. Nah, I don't know, though. One of my favorite games I've ever called, and we called a lot of the same games, right? Right. Was when I called the BYU Utah game where Jimmer made the half court right. shot. People right. People thought about time. that too. I, we were discussing. In fact, baseball and us were. We were talking about this thing last night. Yeah. yeah. And that was one of the things that was brought up. See, we were giving I, you some stuff I to think give, about I on the road. I always give her Jimmer credit because because my call on that, we immediately, I immediately, I made a comment when he made that shot, and he had a Sports Center that night. Sometimes they'll talk over the video. Other right. times they'll just let the call be the they'll call. They'll lay out and. Yeah. Well, they just let our NBC call be the call, mm-hmm. and so I just said, "Yeah, look at him." He's completely unfazed. I mean, he's right. just like, yeah, I'm Jimmer Fredette. That's what I do. I make shots. That's right. I remember that. And that was the number one sports center play. All my friends from New York called, dude, you were the number one player. So yeah. that, that one's special to me. But yeah. that game was also pretty special because he was ridiculous that yeah. night. And I remember they, they, they took him out shy of a chance to get 50. Oh, yeah. Dave took him out. Uh, and it was the half-court shot. I went nuts. Mark went nuts. It was crazy. <laughs> you know what? And, and we probably should have just out of – the uh, Jimmer Knight to beat Angel's record in Vegas probably should be in the mix, too. The but Mex- I, t- I don't want to give anything game? about when he had 52. I don't yeah, want to give New that Mexico away. Game. Yeah, that was yeah. crazy. All right, let's go. The honorable mentions. The Rubel's honorable mentions. You got okay. three. Um, I've only ever called one national championship game. And so BYU defeating Santa Clara in penalty kicks to get to the national championship in 2021 has to be right there. I mean, the drama of playing the 90 minutes, going to PKs, Beating Santa Clara on their own field to get to the national championship. Yeah. I love that. Huge, watching huge. Yep. And again, I consider it tied for third. Okay. That's how okay. I kind of okay. look at this All thing. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, then we will go with, uh, we will go with the, the win over Utah in 2021 to end the streak on the week that BYU gets into the big okay. 12. All right. Okay. okay. I like that. Yeah. And then I, I want to go with, um, I want to go with Jimmer Fredette's uh, night at Utah. Okay. You mentioned the half court shot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. And now we go three, two, one. Now we go number three of see, the fifteen hundred. I knew that was in there because I love calling that game too. That yeah. was a great game. Uh, number three, Jimmer's fifty-two in Las Vegas against, against San Diego against oh, New Mexico. New Mexico. Here's the semis. Thing. They had only they had lost three games to that point. UCLA in non-conference, right? And then the and then New Mexico beat them twice. Right. So one Jimmer had the flu, I believe, at home. I don't know if he played in the one at home. And then the one right after Brent. No, no, it, no. They, they they had Jimmer both games. Um, down at uh, the pit, it was just it was a great game from um, oh Snell. Oh, Tony yeah. Snell went off. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, right after Brandon Davies, they had to play New Mexico at home, and they weren't right mentally and lost that game. Right. Okay. So, right. so anyway, they were 0-2 against New Mexico, and this was to get to the title game against San Diego State in Las Vegas, and it was two records broken on the same night where he breaks Danny's career record and he breaks the single-game record. And I just remember my energy as he approached 50. And, and you were in and Vegas. He's, and and he's it doing, was Vegas. And he's doing it with no free no throws. No free throws. He had yeah. one free throw, throw attempt. Right. The okay. whole game. Even though he got fouled all night long. Yeah. So Jimmer's 52, beating a team that had beaten them twice to get to the title game and breaking two records on the same night with Danny in the crowd, I thought was right there. It was yeah. pretty awesome. Okay. Okay. That, that's was an a, that's awesome a, that is a worthy yeah. number three. Yeah. Number two. Uh, and now these next two, the top two, how often do you get to call a play where your team goes from losing to winning Not with zeros on the clock. Not zeros often. on the clock. Yeah. Okay, so these are game Buzzer winning beaters. these yeah. are game winning plays, zeros on the clock. And number two is the Mangum and Matthews Hail Mary at mm-hmm. Nebraska. Um, again, I've called one Hail Mary in my career. That's the one. That's right? awesome. 
Okay, we don't consider the John Beck to Harleen call a hail mary because they're so close to the goal line. It's a true hail mary, right? Yeah, right. So, uh, well, yeah. and, and was the Boise State one that was too early? No, they in still, the game. no because uh, Kai, they still Kai scored still another touch. Kai still, still had to make still a pick to seal the deal. That's right. Yeah, it I mean, it was, it, was right. it, was a, it was it was kind of a last gasp. It for was the a offense. fourth fourth down. The game riding right. If they don't make the play, the game's probably yeah. But Mitchell and Mitchell, my guy, makes a great play. But yeah, we still had kind of Kua picking and picking picking six right out the other. So, so that's number two, right? Magna Matthews. Yeah, and the number one of all time. Back to Harleen. It has to be. Yeah. I mean, uh, that that was, that was, I mean, it's Utah. It's at their place. Zero's on the clock and the play takes forever, right? It just, it stretched out and out. So the drama built with with every second. And after all that, how is somebody going to be open at all of that, after all of that? Just the whole, the way the whole thing unfolded. And that was one, that was probably like the play where people said they made it their ringtone when they would come up to me and say, Hey, I've got your calls. That was kind of a moment where I was like, Oh, that was kind of a seminal moment. It was one that kind of resonated with Cougar. Nation. So here's where I where I was when I when I listened to your call. I'm I'm on I-15. I had a temple assignment in Vegas, and I was coming from that, and I was going to Channel Eight where I was anchoring the sports that day. And I'm listening to the game on the radio. I've kind of gotten over the fact that I had a temple assignment during the game. Not sure how <laughs> that all came to be, but I remember coming from there on I-15, ready to pull off on the Sahara exit to go downtown to to where Channel Eight was, and that's where I heard it. Yeah. I was standing on the goal line right behind the goal post with Brady Whittingham on my right with my headset on. I had to interview the winning coach because I was doing that game. And I, I just, this is the thing I remember. I remember the last play, but I remember when Utah came down and scored to go ahead. Mm-hmm. Brady looked up at the scoreboard, then he looked at me and he goes, crap. And I go, what? He goes, we're going to lose. They left way too much time. Mm, but prophetic, right? Yeah, prophetic that Brady said that. That is so much. much so much had to happen in that drive too. There were so many great plays made to yeah. set up that final play. But uh, back to Harleen is kind of the one. Oh, I what a what, what a phenomenal! Yeah. The atmosphere down on the field was yeah. crazy. People, was like, people still ask yeah. me who was screaming in the booth because it's part of the call. And that was Ralph Sokolowski. It was Ralph, that's my, right. My statistician. And in you fact, had I, to explain that yeah, a few in times. Yeah, in fact, I, I had to go back and listen to the um, the 2001 Luke Staley touchdown we talked about earlier. Yeah. I was listening to that last week for a different project. And he, he was there again. I could hear him yep. again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ralph, Ralph lets it out, man. Let's talk about a couple of snubs. Uh, what, <laughs> a couple thing. of snubs? A couple of snubs. Uh, the... Uh, the hall to George overtime touchdown. Yeah, I'm leaving out great games. I wow. am. That yeah. was a. That well, that's was that's a why you didn't want to do this. That's, now you do this. Well, that's why we went down this now road. Do this. That's an so overtime he, winner against Utah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's there's the Utah. I think, I think it's Did, important Max, for people to realize how many that, big Max moments you've been in. Right. Well, that was his favorite play. Yeah, Max and, told and, us. Well, then fourth and eighteen. Yeah. Right. As fourth part of the game where Harvey rumbles in and 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 gets another win over. I mean, wins over Utah are epic. Yeah, they're always great. Let's see. We had the when it was. Wisconsin. Yeah, great. Field goal, uh, field goal. at the end. Yeah. yeah, the field goal that they missed mm-hmm. uh, with their kicker who was like, I don't know why we always play the best kickers in the country, but <laughs> but he shanked that one. Yeah, did yeah. you call the UCLA block field goal? Uh, Ethan Mountamalia. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, then there was, big, again, I told I told Dave this was not fair. I know, no, but this, not. This now, we're, now we're doing this. Then now there was the uh, there was the NCAA tournament down by what? However many points came back to win it. Iona. So there was that one. Yeah, that's nice. Oh my! And the side story on that one. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot going on that the night. The beauty was, of this live stream is there's no end yeah, until we're done. Yeah. There, 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 that, that was the night President Obama was in the building in Dayton. And so the security was unbelievable. So my normal pregame routine was all out of whack in terms of how long it took me to get into the building, get, get to my spot, because the president was in the building that night with, I think, David Cameron, the PM of Great Britain. So right. they were there for this basketball game and it jacked everything up. So I was all out of whack in terms of timing, getting to my routine. And beyond that, I was getting sick. My voice was going oh. and I could tell that's the worst feeling when you know you don't have your voice. And beyond that, Mark Durant couldn't do the game. Who was doing it? Who no in? one. I was solo. You, oh, my goodness. Okay. So all these things coming together, and I'm getting sick, and they go down 25. I think, well, at least I have a nice, you know, I won't have to get too excited because, you know, it's going the way it's going. I won't, I won't you know, wreck my voice. But sure enough, they come back, and I wreck my voice uh, because of how the game went. I had to scream and yell, and it was <laughs> yeah. just going. So I, and I really destroyed my voice that night, and now we had to go down to Louisville and play in the you know, their real opener two days later, I had, I had, uh, I had doctors on the phone. I was getting, I was picking up, I was literally picking up pharmacies in Dayton at after midnight (laughs) to try and get my, and, uh, and then luckily a couple days later, I had enough to get through the Marquette game that we lost, but, uh, that was a wild night. How about the TJ Haas buzzer beater at Houston? Didn't call it. That you was, weren't on that, that one? was Shep and Mark Durant. Oh, right, football because football was... I, was I, 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 think I, I think I had soccer NCAA tournament that oh, night. Was that Maybe what that was? Right. Yeah. Okay. So All Shep right. had that with Mark. And Mark, memorably, was... Uh, he gets hugged by players uh, on yeah, the side. Yeah, they came and hugged. Who hugs yeah. the radio guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's doing... Uh, and then Dave and, and Cheryl were right there watching. It was yeah. just a magical yeah. moment. Yeah, that, that was Shep and Mark. Andrew Waugh wants to know, um, what's the best month of Cougar sports in your career? November is always the wildest, most exciting right. month because um, football is still going, basketball starting, and soccer's into its postseason usually right there. So that's, that's when I'm hopping all over the place trying to squeeze everything in. So November is the wildest, busiest, craziest, best month, but nothing replaces March when you're in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, or, or even if you have, you know, conference tournament, NCAA tournament, any, that's the, that's a really cool time of year. It's, the, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Greg Romano asks us, hey, did Greg grow through, so he's asking if you went through the broadcasting program at BYU. I did. He mentioned So Tom, did Dave. Tom. We should note, yeah. sorry, we, Dave and I came through together and in fact actually walked on the same day. We, we, we sat were, next to each other on uh, our graduation. On the stage at the now being demolished HVAC. Uh, we were on the stage for our graduation ceremony uh, yeah, together. And Greg, Greg yeah. says the Tom Griffiths program because Tom yeah. was running that program back yeah. when you guys were there. Tom was running the program. Oh right? yeah, yeah, those were good times. We yeah. we but we uh, we sat we were sitting right in the middle, I think, and uh, talked the whole time. And then yeah. you know we neither of us had to speak, so we just talked the yeah. whole time. I just gotten back from a trip. You've been busy, and uh, and then our careers did their thing, and and then now they're back. and then now they're back and. Yeah. Been back like this yeah, for a long so Dave time. And I, Dave and I came through the program together, graduated together. He went to Vegas. I stayed in this market. And then we've just kind of come back together. Yeah. And, of course, he always had his toe in the BYU water in one way or another for most of that time. But yeah. Big toe. Sometimes yeah, so a small so, toe. Somebody else in here also came through that program, but he's a little older than you guys. Yeah, you guys, are, you're a lot older than us. But, yeah. but and through their master's program. It's amazing with that. With Mel Rogers and all those guys. Oh, hey, Mel's yeah. my man, man. The yep. journey that we've all been through. And, and, and going down this road and asking you to pick your top three. Um, was See, he's never uh, asked me to do that, which is good. Was it was <laughs> it was good because I know your top three. At least I, I we we went to find out from Greg. But you've been involved in so many of these yeah. moments that that are part of people's lives, and and I'm sure folks listening and listen to the podcast as we're talking about stuff, they'll go, "Oh, what about this game? Oh, what about that I know. game?" And, I, and, 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 and they'll and remember you're in all where of they were 
on all the ones that you mentioned. Just yeah. like Dave remembered he was driving in his car yeah, from a temple remember. assignment on that yeah. call. Like people yeah. will remember where they were when they heard that call. No, so blessed to have been able to, you know, be a part of those experiences for fans. And again, they all enjoy them in different ways. Some of them aren't listening to the radio. Some of them get to hear the highlight after. However it is, um, I just feel personally blessed to be able to be given uh, the challenge to to ideally describe them in, in, in the best and most professional and appropriate way possible. And and capture everything that people want to capture. Just so you know that for these next five questions, there are no honorable mentions. No, nope, you just have to come. It's just it. as is. I know. So, and right. I, I should mention, I can't even tell you how many times, like during the heyday of the Mountain West, when I was covering the Mountain West for NBC and for the Mountain West Network and all that, many times BYU would have a basketball game or football game. I'd be over on the Front Range or in Wyoming or wherever. Um, calling a game. And if it was at a different time than the BYU game, uh, perhaps I'm, I'm down at the Air Force Academy. I'm now driving back to Denver to my hotel yeah. and KSL, that that great signal, I'm listening to Greg as I'm driving back uh, into Denver. Yeah. So 50,000 so, watts, it knows so no bounds. I'm, I'm calling a game someplace else, but I'm still tuned in to Greg. Yeah. And now dozens between, and dozens, yeah. if not hundreds of times over, over the years. That's cool to know. So and, really and whether cool. it's, it's KSL or you know, the Sirius XM, which is satellite. And now the apps, which basically wherever you are, you've got the radio. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, Paul James did what he did for so long with essentially the AM signal to do, you know, to, to reach Cougar Nation. And thankfully, it's a great signal. And a lot of people yeah. can listen to it a lot of places. Yeah. You know, uh, Paul didn't have the technology at his disposal to have his descriptions as widely available as they are now. Um, yet, even with that limitation, if you want to put it that way, he is still the voice of the Cougars for a generation of fans. And, and I'd be remiss without, you know, paying homage to, to Paul for being you know, my teacher, my mentor, my example, and, and the guy that gave me the belief that I could actually do this because I didn't have it in myself until he said, go do it. We're going to ask you about Paul in just a minute. Yep. Okay. okay. Five questions for Greg Rubel. And, and there's, some are the same. So favorite sports movie. Please do not say that nonsense thing. that, that Skateboard. Yeah. Yeah. Oddly enough, it's Gleaming the Cube. God, stop it. Can't be. I would take the Hanson brothers over that because they're hockey. No, on Slap... What's that? Slap Shot? Is that what it is? No, he did not There are a lot of great hockey movies out there. It's not Slap Shot. I was in my hotel in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. We actually played baseball at Gonzaga on the weekend. We stayed in Coeur d'Alene. So in my hotel in Coeur d'Alene, doing some work and flipping through the channels, and it was on, and whenever it's on, I'm there. Wherever it is in the movie, I am there for the rest of the movie. Hoosiers. Hoosiers. Oh, yeah. I was going to say. That one, will, that one will suck you in it's from a classic. Wherever. 1A, Field of Dreams. I was going to say. Field of Dreams, Field of Dreams, 1A, 1A, 1A. Field of Dreams 1A, was 1A. on just like two nights ago. It's right. It's the same I, thing. If, it's, if you're ever there, you watch the rest of it. Immediately yeah. in my head, I go, if you build it, they will come. And I couldn't stop. Yeah, and Brenda's so. like, hun, it's 11 o'clock. I go, I don't Rocky care. is pretty close. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and the Rockies, you can't just, I mean, there's some good we, Rockies we get, we get a ton down of, the line. We get a ton of yeah. our guests that are um, Rudy. Or remember no, the Titans. I'm not a Rudy or remember the Titans guy. Yeah, we, get a lot, we get a lot of those. I would say those are the two most I'm popular. I'm a Rocky Three guy, though, when it comes to the Rockies. So Really? Did, I like it, two. I just love Danny, the soundtrack. Didn't Danny yeah. Ainge say Hoosiers? He may have. I think Danny I may have said Hoosiers. You can come Hoosiers. Marie so, Osmond, I thought, said Hoosiers. Oh, yeah. Marie said mm. Hoosiers. So there you go. Okay. So a uh, favorite singer or band? Um, i got a lot, but Rush for the Canadian Heritage. There's a there shock. There you go. I mean, That's you know. a good one. <laughs> that doesn't surprise. <laughs> favorite breakfast. It's been rushed since we were students. I knew that wasn't going to. Favorite breakfast cereal. Crunchberries. Thank Crunch you. Crunchberries. Like now, keep in mind, 
I live in a household where sweet cereals are verboten. We don't get sweet cereals. So basically, it's like if, if certain people are out of town, I'll go buy Crunch Berries. Do you ever um, like eat all of? Do you ever eat all of the just the old Captain Crunch part to save like four bites of nothing but the berries? No, for the end? I think the berries are too much. Oh. Um, I like to have the actual Captain Crunch part of it. Yeah. I, I do I do that sometimes and sometimes on my lucky charms I'll eat all of the oats and save mm-hmm. just like three bites of nothing but charms. So. I, I was I was straight Captain Crunch for a long time. That's to me him. to me the berries were a nice bonus. I didn't I didn't feel like it took too much away from the actual Captain Crunch foundation. So I yeah, okay I, I don't it. need the berries. He yeah. like, he, I just likes like regular, it straight. he likes regular Captain Crunch. Isn't yeah. there a new one that just came out? A new Captain Crunch with something. There's, There's a lot of stuff out there. There's so Warner, many distractions. I, I stay focused. Yeah. Yeah, I just exactly. go right to it. Okay, favorite hockey player of all time. Come on, this is your wheelhouse. No, because it, it requires a little bit of an... It's Wayne Gretzky. Okay. okay. Well, I don't I know why you have to feel Wayne, bad about because, that. Because, because he is an Edmonton Oiler. And as a Calgary Flames fan, wow, that is, picking an brutal. Oiler doesn't make any sense whatsoever. How could you ever do it? But Gretzky's Gretzky. And, and when I was, a, when I was a, a kid growing up and in my high school years, I would go to the paper every morning to see what he did the night before. And... and it was an amazing thing to see what he was doing. He was no, a great people one. People weren't doing it. And, and, so, and then to get to watch him in person, I would get to go to Flames Oilers games in Calgary, watch him on the ice. I was like, I'd blown away by it. And I've, still. I interviewed and him I got, a few I got, times. I got to interview him. And that's the thing. Yeah. So when I got to interview first him, class. that was the one that really just kind of like, yeah, dude, you've got to know before going into this that I can't believe this is happening yeah. right now, what you mean to me and my hockey fandom. And the fact that you were in Oilers and I was a Flame, um, yet I still love you more than anyone. And he was yeah. first class in, oh. in the interview. Getting a chance to interview him you're just like okay that's why you're a star but yeah. when he, and he was so good at such a young age so, so we used to go up and do a hockey exchange basketball exchange up in ontario we'd go to branford and to hamilton play the hamilton schools and the branford collegiate institute mm-hmm. um we'd stay with their families go play in their basketball tournament and then they would come down and play in our hockey tournament and we'd kill them in basketball they would kill us in hockey mm-hmm. it's a little more balanced now but um one of our superstar players was trying to pick up Wayne's girlfriend at the time. Uh, bad idea. Yeah, it was not good. It did, didn't go over he, well. He had enforcers, you know. Yep. Yeah. So Branford Collegiate Institute, I think didn't that's where he would have gone. Yeah. So, yep. A cool place. Loved loved the the north neighbors of ours. Favorite Calgary Flame, Lanny McDonald. That was my next question. Yeah. 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 Lanny. Lanny Who's your favorite Calgary Flame? Lanny was f- quick on the ice. And and he had Who's the best, best mustache Calgary's, in the history of sports. <laughs> Who's your favorite Calgary Stampeder? Mine's Mine's Greg Peterson. Tom Forzani and Greg Peterson together. There you go, there Greg you go. Peterson. Greg, yeah. by the way, named uh, the Calgary Booster Club Sports Person of the Year last week. I just saw that. That's yeah. really cool. Well-deserved. So, yes. Greg, for people that don't know, Greg played corner uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s at BYU, went up and had a long career with, with, with uh, Calgary, mm-hmm. and the CFL was from up in Calgary. Um, His family a, was in our ward. He's an attorney yeah. now. He's done a bunch of radio stuff and television stuff uh, with with yeah. uh, Stampeders. He's, over the color, the years. he's the color analyst on the uh, Stampeders yeah. radio games. Yeah, nice. yeah. so he, good, good guy. Yeah. And he's just reconnected recently back with the program, which I think yeah, is he really came cool. back to the Utah State game last yeah. year. Really yeah. cool. So, okay, last one. Favorite advice from Paul James. Prepare. Prepare, and we're talking legal pad. Prepare. Write your stuff out. That's what I learned from Paul. Paul would Paul's pregames were scripted, okay. And I, I said, Paul, you could you could do that off. You could ad lib. You could ad lib. He goes, I know, but I I, I want to say it the way I want to say it. And so I would I would I would be like we we would have our meetings before the game Friday nights in his hotel room, and he'd be in his bed with his legal pad scripting out his pregame show. And I learned from him 
the art of scripting, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so I've always done it. I, I, I did the legal pad thing before laptops came around, and now I use my, I script all my stuff yeah. um, in the pregame. And ideally, if I deliver it right, it's not going to sound to the audience like I'm reading a script, but I'm right. scripting things out for me and my analyst, my color partner, to, to bring a really well-structured pregame to the audience. And so um, that was just one element. When he says prepare, like there's more to it. But his spotting boards, I remember going to his house and having him show me his spotting boards and how he put together his spotting boards. So learning from Paul how to prepare for a game was invaluable for me. And it's the middle one of my three P's of passion, preparation, presentation. So you can't, you can't scrimp on the preparation part of it. It'll show up on game day. It's, it, it takes me to flashback. We had Sione Pua on a, a few weeks ago on the show. He came in amazing. He's amazing. And attention to detail, we can just tell. But we asked him what advice he, he um, would give. What's his overriding advice for players? And he goes... Well, my whole theme with these guys right now is you can never outperform your preparation, mm. period. So we will prepare. And I, I thought, wow, that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty powerful statement. Pretty powerful. You cannot, I've, no matter how talented you are, you cannot outperform your preparation. I, I've often thought I may not be the the world's best broadcaster, but I can be the best prepared. That part I can control. I can put as much into preparation as humanly possible. So when I sit on sit in on game day, uh, there's a scripture that says, if, if you are prepared, you shall not fear. Yes. Right? And I don't want to fear. I don't yeah. want to have that feeling of being not ready in the broadcast booth. Yeah, that's a lonely feeling. And um, and you can tell when someone's unprepared, I think. When you when you watch, yep. flip around, you watch enough games where you're like, like I didn't go over any of those names, and some of those yeah. names are tough. Yeah, sometimes you jack them up anyway. <laughs> but uh, but I I, I I I I concur that preparation is the biggest thing because we we would prepare and maybe not use half our stuff. But I know but that if we didn't prepare, yeah, it no, would be a night when I need no. all the stuff. If the I always have, car- always have if the more. action carries yeah. the game, and we've only used a quarter of what we prepared, we were well prepared. And the, and the action carried the night, and then it was a great game. But we've ha- all had games when we get in, we're like, Four hours Man, long, you know, boring it's games. A, it's a good thing we did all this preparation because this yeah. was a horrific game. Of course, in radio, we have less of an obligation to worry about that because we, no matter what happens, we're going to call the plays. True, but yeah. but I rarely use everything I've got. Like I, It's rare that I use everything I've got, but I'm glad I've got it. I'm just yeah. glad I have it. And then, by the way, it's been really fun. I'm new to baseball, relatively speaking. This is my third season doing baseball games. I'm very new at it, learning how to do it. But uh, that's been a great thing, too, is learning learning how to how to squeeze things into a baseball broadcast because it's a different feel and flow from the other oh, sports yeah. I do. That's a really cool thing, too, is this late in life, quote-unquote, is having a new challenge and a new sport to call and find a new way to call a game. I really enjoyed it. Well, you're going to be you're on the call this Thursday, right, if, if there's no snow, through no, Saturday. Actually, it looks good, actually. Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. It's going to be a lot of flooding, but it's going to be a great weekend. So everything might be covered with water, but uh, Thursday through Saturday, BYU hosts uh, San Francisco Big on series. BYU Radio. Because those teams are both right now on the outside looking in on the top six. Top six right. make the tournament in Vegas, by the way, cool venue in Vegas that they're going to yeah. for this final year in the WCC. Top six make it. They're right now on the outside looking in. So USF and BYU are tied for seventh right now, three and six. There's a lot of time to go. There's, they're going to play 27 games. They're nine games in. But this winner, winner of this series yeah. puts themselves where they need to be. Losers got to worry a little bit. They got to get healthy. You know, yeah, they, 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 Deming's got to be back. They've and been hit. Sterner. And really hard. At Brock Watkins, Watkins and Ozzie Pratt and now Chad Call. And so uh, yeah. there are a lot of guys down right now. they got to get them back. I think if, if things break right, they get healthy at the right time, they could win series down the stretch and get where they need to be in this thing. But they got to get healthy. Gary Scheide and I are going to be calling the TV side of it. So yep. between the two of us, we'll have it. 
have a uh, wall to wall this weekend. The great Greg Rubel's with us. We're going to do some business here, so we're going to just have you hang tight. You've been with us this long. You got a few more minutes? Yeah, yeah you bet. You can just chime in when you yeah, want, but we want to kind of get everyone up to speed on what's going few, on. A few campus notes. Volleyball, 16-6, and 12-0 and 0 at Smith Fieldhouse right now. Um, the Cougars Cougar swept number 11 USC, 3-1 and 3-0. Great. What a great college volleyball environment the Smith Fieldhouse is. If you haven't had a chance to get out there, you need to get out there. Um, as exciting as it is in a full Marriott Center oh, and a full Lavelle Edwards Stadium, there's something it, else about something this It's something special. So, hey, this week, and this is why I say this, Stanford at BYU Friday and Saturday, 7 p.m. Mountain. April 14th and 15th. Which you might not have, because I may have updated that before I oh, sent that right. over to you. They're off this week. Oh, yes, next week. And then it's next week, next sorry, week. Uh, yep. on BYU TV. And Sean Olmstead's going to go for career win number 150. Mm. So fun. Yeah, he And he hadn't been doing it very long. He just wins. Yeah. Wins yep. over he there. He just wins. Okay. Baseball 9-18, and 5-3 and three at home, 3-6 and six in the WCC. Washington State beat the Cougars. Yesterday, six to one. Greg on the call I'm there. I'm telling you, man, that was. I felt so bad for the guys just because we show up there and the snow's gotten cleared off, but it was a feels like of I think 24 when they rolled uh, in. Yeah. And and granted, both teams got to play in it, but they've just played baseball. You want to feel good. You want to feel warm and loose. And they've had so few games where they can just go have that loose warm fired up feeling because they've been so cold a lot of cold games like yesterday kudos to the fans that show up by the way BYU fans showing up everywhere but um you really have to tough it out these days with the way the weather's been going softball can't get any games in either everything's no, getting, getting everything keeps getting canceled yeah. so speaking yeah. of softball um 17 and 9 is that right yeah, yeah. 17 and 9 and they now. start league now right yeah the, um they play 11 p5 opponents this season in softball they're not afraid to play that's another program that's like yeah bring it on yeah. we're ready ready yeah. for the big 12 um the, the, is it the Purple and Gold Challenge? 2-2 um, uh, two, two wins against Louisiana, North Carolina State, and two defeats to number 12, LSU. So there you go. That's how you're doing. Yeah. Another snow out today. They were supposed yeah. to be up in Idaho, Idaho State. State. Yeah, yeah. At Idaho State. That's not yeah. happening in Pokey, right? Right. So. so Friday through Saturday, Santa Clara on the road in the conference opener. The next home game for softball, yeah, if they can one. get one, this is, a big one. is Monday against Utah, 5 o'clock Mountain Time on the BYU TV app. That was a game that had been pushed back. Yep. And, you know, we're going to have a decent weekend. I hope. It, I think it's going to go into next week. I think we're going to be near 70 around here, which is something we haven't felt for, what, since last October, maybe? Yeah, it's it's crazy. What Like, it's April, you guys. It's supposed to be 60. I don't know where all this snow is going to go once we <laughs> so, hit 70 degrees. So how about men's golf? Um, at Stanford, uh, the Cougars finished 13th, plus 18. Oklahoma won the tournament. At minus 18. So Carson Lundell was BYU's top individual performer, tied with eight golfers for 24th. Next up for uh, men's golf, Western Intercollegiate. That's next Monday through Wednesday at Santa Cruz. The Masters starts on Thursday. Mike Weir, the 2003 champ, will be back there. Uh, He's at the champion's dinner tonight, or it's probably over by now, wearing his green jacket. Tony Finau, who we've adopted as a BYU fan. I, I, I walked to the course with, with Tony last year a bunch because I was at the Masters and with Tony's dad, who's just a splendidly yeah. wonderful person, took us all around, all the places you're not supposed to go. Was that your first Masters? Yeah, it was my first one. Okay. Yeah. Hideki Matsuyama didn't attend BYU, but Corey Yoshimura did. That's right. I hope He's Corey's PG listening executive in Japan, loyal listener to the show. And then Dan Forsman played the Masters six times. He's not in the field, but I wrote a story about his top four experiences at Augusta. 
That's at Deseret.com. That yeah. turned out pretty good. Really he's cool. he's a fascinating just, he guy. He said that to me, and we, we love Dan Forsman. Um, and he, he, on the senior tour, he's been trying to get back in shape, coming back from some injuries. He looks like he's pretty fit and can get back he out He may get there out there later in the summer. to compete later this summer. So uh, we hope the best for Dan. Um, women's golf, sixth place finish at uh, Avenue Spring Break Challenge in Maui. Rough to have to go to Maui this time of year when this is going on here. Alicia May Mateo, sixth place finish. She's been playing really well. She's having a great year. A BYU Intercollegiate at Riverside Country Club. Um, that's why we're having good weather, Monday and Tuesday. Right, because that's that's supposed mm. to be this next week, yeah. right? So we'll mm-hmm. see how that goes. The course was open, and of course it's closed now, so hopefully that sun comes out. Hey, there's supposed to be an Easter egg hunt there on Saturday <laughs> for my grandkids, so let's just hope let's for good hope. weather. Let's hope. So. Carrie Roberts was going to be with us tonight, had a scheduling conflict. She's going to join us in two weeks ahead of the WCC yep. championship. Speaking of championships, UConn beat San Diego State last night 76-59 to to win the men's title. The Aztecs could not buy a basket. That's how they roll. Yeah, they yeah. played D, but I what was it? Didn't they go like 10, 12 minutes, yeah. maybe longer yeah. without a field Here, Here's the thing. Against, against and they other, were still in the game. Against well, other teams in this tournament, they've been able to just shut people. That, like They don't make shots for eight minutes, and the other team can't score. UConn's just too skilled offensively and, and pulled yeah. away. Like Brian Dutcher said, we're the we're the we're the we're a team that can win games without shooting it well, and that's right. a good thing to be able to lean on unless you're playing a team like UConn. Well, and that's yeah. that's the niche that they that Steve built there with them. That Brian's taking. It's like we can compete, be a perennial top twenty team. We can't get the same kids that Kansas and Kentucky and Duke get. We can get guys that are just will just defend like nobody's business, and that'll make us competitive. Yeah. And this year. They had enough offense to get them to the championship game. Kudos to those guys. And that's a magical yeah, moment. And, and Greg knows those guys really well, too. That's a great staff. Those yeah. are good, yeah. good people. And so we're, hey, congratulations to Dutch and Matt and David. Sam Show got more TV time as an assistant yeah, at San Diego State than he ever got at San Diego's head coach. <laughs> that's true. He's got them there, too. And, and uh, you know, so congratulations. You make it to that game. Wow. Brian Dutcher was always my pregame interview when BYU would play San Diego State. Um, I did Steve Fisher for maybe the first couple years he was there, then he delegated it over to Brian. So Dutch was always the guy I would talk to before every San Diego State game when he was the assistant there. So it was fun to see him uh, get his team to where he is now with those guys. Women's hoops, LSU beat Iowa 102-85. to How many wins do you think BYU's women's team will get next year with this recruiting class that they have coming in? Oh, gosh. I, I, I don't know, maybe that's not I, fair I, to say wins, but I mean, I, I think they would I, I be able know, to. I don't know what their non-conference schedule is going to look like. The question is, can they compete? I'm guessing can they they're be in the right in the middle of the Big, of the Big 12. Next year? Yeah. I think they can be with this recruiting class. They're going to be young, and yeah. they're going to get better the next year. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that they've they've amassed a great group uh, yeah. to get B- to move forward. Best recruiting class they've ever had. How uh, deep so. did the uh, Big Twelve women's um, tournament? entry field go i don't know how, how far texas went i think texas yeah. won the conference how many teams went in from the big 12 i guess what i meant like how, how deep will they go? like for example men are you looking to get you know six seven eight every year yeah it's not like um, that yeah, yeah no it's, it's not, not like it's that. not quite the same but shaley yeah. had a had a big tournament in the big 12 yeah, tournament they, texas then, won that tournament with shaley yeah. so. and then they looked pretty good and then and then they started to drop but iowa was iowa was dominant and and then LSU was big and physical. Yeah. And so with the BYU going into the Big 12, it's going to be a shift in mindset, right? Because um, you, you may end up competing for fewer championships, but ideally playing in more NCAA tournaments just right. because of how deep that league will go compared to the WCC. Hey, finish sixth in basketball, you're probably in. Yeah. Right. That's how it goes. Next it week, ends. Matt and Savannah Shaw, father-daughter singing sensation with over 1.5 million followers on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram going to join us. You can learn all about them at mattandsavannamusic.com. 
April 18th, Brian Logan and Kerry Roberts will be here. Brandon Doman and Byron Rex will join us before the NFL draft. And Johnny Harleen will join us May 2nd. He's down there playing his band in, in Las Vegas, and uh, he'll join us via Zoom on on May 2nd. We're working to get Gennaro Guilford since we've yep. had all the other defensive coaches. He'll be the last of the on. defensive coaches. So we've got a big month coming up in April. John, Johnny made my career. There you go. The back to Harling. Yeah. And we'll remind him of that when <laughs> we'll, he's on. We'll tell him. Lots so. going on on this day on April 4th in our history. Yeah, so 1818. Uh, Congress decides on the U.S. flag, 13 red and white stripes, 20 stars. Yeah, that's what they were working with back then. 1850, today is the day Los Angeles was actually formed into a city. Incorporated. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 1917, U.S. Senate agrees to participate in World War I. So the vote comes down. 1949, the NATO Treaty was signed in Washington, D.C. A lot of things going on this day. Did I just see that yesterday Finland joined NATO? So, Did they? Yeah, that's which is, was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. So, um, 1968, Martin Luther King is assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. 1975, Microsoft is founded. Bill Gates and Paul Allen, and now the computers are in every home, everywhere, and even on our phone. And, and Paul Allen's very involved in sports. Amazing. So there you go. 1989, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar plays his last NBA game in Seattle. Mm. Kareem. You know what? My, and you know what? My, my so, boys and I always talk about what old time players, and they consider cream an old time player. What one? What ones of those guys translate to today? And and I think Kareem could still score. Why today. doesn't anyone do a sky hook? Was it just yeah, who could stop that today? Yeah. I mean, it's nobody did it then. Yeah, yeah. The and seemed like some big guy would go. I think you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a sky hook. I think he could yeah. score and defend today. I think Kareem yeah. translates. If Matt Harms had a sky hook when he was we, here. We asked Danny if Larry Bird translates, and he was like, "Oh, yes." He'd be one of the top three players in the league right now. So Birthdays on April 4th, 1870. George Albert Smith, the eighth president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And isn't that the George Albert Smith Fieldhouse that we're talking about? The volleyball Athletic tie-in. So there you go. 1997, Bill France, the pioneer of NASCAR. NASCAR. NASCAR has been the rage. It seems like it's kind of slowed down after a, after a peak. Um Tell that to people in Daytona. But it's still big. <laughs> yeah. Vegas I, gets two races, so I guess they're doing fine. And how about Craig T. Nelson, 1944, as coach? Remember watching Coach? Oh, yeah. yeah. That yeah. was some classic writing and some fun characters. But Chris- let's not forget his job in uh, Blades of Glory. Oh, yes. That's Come on now. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, now. Yes, he's coach, but. I have to say that. Nobody, I beg for your apology. No, nobody has come up with Blades of Glory for their favorite sports movie yet. Oh. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. There's probably a lot of good reasons for that, but still, that's one of those two where when you, when you find, I'll, I'll watch a bit every time it's on. Yes, I will oh, too. Oh, no. Our Wise Guys inspirational quote of the week is from President Gordon B. Hinckley as we head towards Easter right. Sunday. I thought this would be good uh, in this week particularly. There would be no Christmas if there had not been Easter. The babe Jesus of Bethlehem would be but another baby without the redeeming Christ of Gethsemane and Calvary and the triumphant fact of the resurrection. Easter week. So true. So true. We thank our guests, Hans Olsen, Greg Rubel. Let's look forward to listening to them as they launch uh, into the Big 12. How about that? You get a break in a new guy, and there's mm-hmm. only been, what, three new guys in most of our lifetime? Yeah. Uh, and you get to do it in the Big 12, which, you know, we've been dreaming about for 12 years. 
The yeah. second we went independent, did we not dream about this day? Yeah, I get to hit the ground running with a real pro. You guys, I mean, clearly, it's, it's he's going to be great at yeah. it, and and I think listeners are really going to enjoy uh, the product, and he's going to make a, a good broadcast even better. And and to do it in a in a P twelve forum, we couldn't be more excited. Thanks for hanging out with us. You're welcome here anytime. Thank you. Let's do it again for sure before uh, September 2. Okay. Yep. As we'll come we back. start we'll do beating like a, the drum. We'll do a preseason I know, I know, preview. I know where it is now. No one else does, but I know where it is. Oh, don't tell. Don't tell. Security is very important to us. Trust me. Uh, so. uh, I'll would, come back. It would, thank you. It's yeah. great to have you here. And, and uh, you're part of the history. You're part of the history we talk about every week. Yep, it's absolutely. Just, We're in it together. It's just part of what you've, what you've got going on and been involved in so many great things. Excellent. Next week, Matt and Savannah Shaw, they sing to millions. We hope they'll sing to us. We anticipate that they will. Yes, they will. And they're looking forward to coming on. The podcast will be up tomorrow. We'll send a copy to you. We'll send one to hands. And that way we can verify what we heard tonight was Greg Rubel's top three calls of all time. <laughs> yes. Despite the fight to get there, we yeah, actually we did. Him. It was a we process. Did so, roll it yeah. out. For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. Thanks for watching The Wise Guys. And for Greg Rubel and Hans Olsen, we'll see you next week. Right? Let's have a good one. See you next week.